What's up, sports fans? It's time. It's time for the national finals of the Division One NCAA Wrestling Championships. I'm Ed Gallo from the Fight Site, a wrestling analyst. I also do so on Bloody Elbow. Uh, if you've never watched college wrestling before, I'm going to do my best to explain the rules to you and, and give you context for match dynamics and you know people's runs through the tournament and who they are. I'll do my best to explain things, but it's going to be a lot of action to keep up with, so it's going to be a lot of you know, analysis of the action as well, which is, I think, why you're listening to this. So uh, if you're an inexperienced wrestling fan, I recommend hopping on Patreon, subscribing to the fight site for $3 minimum to get access to all of our exclusive content. A lot of wrestling commentaries by me on there, a couple with uh, some guests as well. And if you go back to the, uh, yeah, I think the NC State Virginia Tech match, I do a lot of explaining of the rules and the scoring in that one. So that would be a good place to start to check out uh, all those explanations. So this is it. <laughs> this is the big show. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with, with collegiate wrestling, if you're not from the United States, uh, this is the predominant style. This is what we practice in high school. This is what we wrestle in college. Uh, slightly modified rules from high school to college, but it's American folk style. The, the focus of the scoring is based on control. Very different than freestyle or Greco. Uh, same basic moves are allowed, but the, the structure of the match is different. And I'll try to walk you through that. Uh, crazy tournament. I've been glued to my seat for three days watching wrestling, talking about wrestling. I watched every single match. I don't remember half of them, but I watched every match and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. And uh, personally, I'm a University of Pittsburgh alum, University of Pittsburgh Homer. We put two in the finals. Uh, we haven't had an All American since 2015, uh, Tyler Wilps, and he was also our only All American in 2014. And he was a national finalist in 2015. Didn't win the title. And we got two in the finals, you know, double chances to win another title. Our last title is in 2008, Keith Gavin. Keith Gavin's now the head coach at the University of Pittsburgh. So we got we got good momentum, good vibes coming into this. I'll try to break down the dynamics and the history for each match before we get into them. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. It's crazy every year. This is the craziest wrestling tournament in the United States. Uh, Olympic trials are you know, a huge deal, obviously, but just the, the drama of this tournament is so different because for the vast majority of athletes, this is it. This is all they're working for. When they graduate, they're going to be done. You know what I mean? That's going to be the end of their athletic career. They might move on to coaching. They might give Freestyle or Greco a shot for a couple of years, but 95% of them, this is it. Uh, one, because going on to the next level is very difficult. And two, because they're burnt out. Uh, most of these guys start when they're five or six years old. So they've been going for 15, 20 years training for this, this specifically, this tournament. So uh, this year doesn't count for eligibility, but if it's your last year in school and you don't want to go to grad school, you're done. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's a huge freaking deal. Uh, and uh, the team race is actually locked up. Uh, the University of Iowa has won the title. They were locked up to win the title last year going into the tournament, and then it got canceled. Uh, so obviously this is nice retribution for them. They've had a nice tournament for themselves. They have a few finalists and uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's been crazy. Penn state uh, you could say they punted this year. They didn't have a, a super strong team, uh, but they're, they are in contention to take second. Obviously they want the next best thing, uh, but <clears throat> Oklahoma state university, I believe they're tied right now with Penn state for second. I'm uh, not sure who's in third, but uh, NC state's in the picture. Michigan's in the picture. Uh, Missouri is in the picture and uh, University of Pittsburgh has potential to be top 10 this year, which is a huge deal. Uh, top four teams win a trophy team trophy. 
that's also a huge honor. So that, that's very good for your program. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be competitive, man. It's going to be great. I, I definitely think superstition is important if you're a sports fan uh, uh, when there's teams and there's, you know, a consistent process. So Friday during the quarterfinals and semifinals, I rocked some Virginia, Virginia Tech gear. I know that I'm a Pitt fan. Virginia Tech's an ACC team. I respect all the ACC teams, except for the University of Virginia. Hate them. Uh, <laughs> get into that another time. But I, I had good results with my Virginia Tech gear yesterday. So I put on some more Virginia Tech gear today, and hopefully that carries the pick guys through to victory. I know that doesn't make total sense, but and I have pick gear and I wore it on Thursday, but things are a little rough on Thursday. So I, I'm just following the vibes, wherever the vibes take me. So this is it, man. This is it. Uh, I'm going to be going through every match and hopefully I'll have time to explain a lot of stuff, but uh, yeah, we'll be going, we'll be getting going in a second. If you're an MMA fan listening to this, I encourage you to become a fan of wrestling because MMA has the potential to be one of the most interesting combat sports because it's everything, but the organization, the structure of the sport, it's a freaking circus. You know that, uh, and wrestling being at a much higher level, a much older sport, much more organized, much more professionalized. Even though these are college athletes, this is a professional sport. They're not getting paid, but they, they are, it's professionalized. So it, it's a relief to go from watching MMA to watching college wrestling or freestyle or what have you. Um, and it's always going to be my favorite sport. Although I love MMA, I love a lot of different sports, but wrestling's number one for me. And I hope that you can become a wrestling fan through this if you're not already. And if you are already, then you know how special this is and you're going to enjoy watching it with me. So if you're not a Fight Site patron already, subscribe so you can watch it with me and get the video. Um, if you just want to listen along and find the matches yourself, ESPN will probably have a replay on their streaming app or their website. Uh, I think you can also get the replay on, on YouTube. Some of the matches might end up on YouTube, but who knows when that's going to be there. And you know, I, I think it'll just be better to be synced up with me. And there's a million other benefits to being a Fight Site patron. Check it out. Uh, yeah, we're going to get going at uh, 133, I believe, in just a second. That's going to be the first weight that goes. They're going to end at 125 for Spencer Lee. And uh, that that's a huge dynamic. Gable Stevenson, the heavyweight uh, title, main title threat. And Spencer Lee, the 125-pound main title threat. They're having the most dominant tournament so far. They're head-to-head for the Hodge Trophy, which is most dominant wrestler. So whoever wins that is going to be you know, another huge honor. Spencer's won the Hodge before, but... Uh, that that's a tight race. So they're, they're ending it with the two Hodge contenders. So we'll see who, uh, who, who takes it as uh, so that'll be an interesting dynamic to follow as well. All right. I'm going to pause here, take some time to recover and get ready for the next match. And before it begins, I'm going to, I'm going to set us up for 133 pounds. It's going to be Dayton fix uh, from Oklahoma state versus Roman Bravo young from Penn state. Could be a big one. All right, here we go. 133 pounds. We're about to, oops. Yeah, we're about to start. Sorry, I forgot I was, if I was still recording or not. There we go. Uh, we're about to get going. Dayton Fix, number one seed versus Roman Bravo Young, number two seed. It's pretty much all chalk on the way up there. Fix defeated Austin DeSanto from the University of Iowa in the semis. And uh, Roman Bravo Young took out Corbin Myers from Virginia Tech, who was very tough uh, all season. And, you know, didn't look so great in this tournament, but still a very impressive victory. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. Here we go. And uh, this is this is a big moment for wrestling after the season got canceled, you know, right after conference championships last year. It's going to be huge. Uh, Dayton Fix was a junior world champion. He actually won a junior world title without giving up a point. He outscored his opposition, I think, 59 to 0, 57 to 0. Uh, he's had some huge wins. He was the 2019 world team member. 
And uh, he, he wrestles a very interesting style against lesser opposition. He's extremely offensive, uh, super slick, fast, explosive attacks, upper body, leg attacks, everything. Super tough on top, absolute hammer. And freestyle, he's actually even tougher on top. He's got this nice trap arm, gut wrench. Uh, he puts people away with. He was suspended the past year for Austrian. <laughs> he popped, uh, failed a drug test and had a ridiculous excuse about how it was his dad's water bottle that he drank out of. And the Austrian was in his dad's water bottle, but it was tainted because his coach, Chris Perry, put the Austrian in his dad's water bottle. He had his suspension lightened for this crazy excuse. So it worked, but it was, it was nuts. It was nuts. Uh, obviously, no one believes that, but he's back. He was back in time for this season. He didn't really miss much. Uh, and yeah, after this, he'll be uh, he'll be competing for the Olympic team spot, and he'll be one of the favorites to win the spot as the returning world team member from 2019. So it's gonna be nuts. Uh, Roman Bravo, young, uh, hot talent, multiple time All American so far for Penn State. Uh, very slick, great leg attacks, good defense, good scrambler. You might remember he did that collat flip that ended up on Sports Center. Uh, that's when you do a backflip off someone's single leg attempt and land in your own single leg attempt. <laughs> he like tore something in his knee doing it, but he won the match. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting matchup. Two guys with very athletic styles. Typically, when Dayton Fix wrestles high-level opposition, he slows it down. He shuts down his offense a little bit. He tenses up. Roman Bravo Young, uh, I can't say the same thing for him, but I think it's just harder for him to score on high-level opposition. It's not so much him not wanting to. Uh, you might remember if you're an MMA fan, Aljamain Sterling wrestled Roman Bravo Young in an exhibition a few months ago. And uh, he actually got scored on, probably Young got scored on with a lateral drop on the edge, but he uh, got three takedowns to technically zero uh, against Aljo and won that match. And Aljo ended up being a lot bigger than him. So it was uh, impressive for Aljo, but didn't actually take him down or anything. <laughs> so here we go. We're about to start. Uh, it's going to be three periods. First period is three minutes. Uh, second two periods are two minutes. First period starts on their feet. Uh, after that, someone gets choice to flip the coin and get choice. Top, bottom, neutral. And then uh, the third period, whoever didn't get choice the first time gets choice. And that's Dayton Fix's signature thing, the somersault into the high jump there. Uh, so a low stance from both guys. Fix heavy on the head, pressing forward early. Refs in the way. Little level fake there from Fix, trying to draw out a reaction, maybe to get the front headlock after that. But RBY doesn't bite. Fix control on that wrist. And uh, Oklahoma State guys do really well off pressure. So he's trying to get RBY to push back in, as well as control the mat. If you control the center of the mat, first of all, you're seen as the aggressor, so you're less likely to get hit with stalling. And there's crazy out-of-bounds rules where if you go out-of-bounds and it looked like you were trying to go out-of-bounds, the other person wasn't like pushing you out, but you were trying to get the action reset, they might hit you with stalling. So if you push the other person out a bunch, you could rack up some stall calls, and uh, two stall calls is a point. So it's a, it's a good strategy in, in a tight match like this. I expected RBY to come out hot early and try to get an early takedown because uh, he, he works a lot better when he has the lead, uh, whereas Fix is someone who can probably score at any point in the match. Uh, so it's good for RBY to, to try to dictate it. There's a shot attempt on the edge, but they're going to go out of bounds here, I believe. Yeah, they did not give themselves enough room on the edge of the mat on this side. I'd really like to see more mat there so you can work with the full boundary because if you have at least one part of your body touching inside the boundary of the mat, you can keep working out of bounds. If you have like a toe in, you get a takedown on the edge. That counts. It's very interesting. A lot different than freestyle. Oh, pressure on the head <laughs> and the step back uh, shuts down that shot attempt. Good defense from Fix. I, I would have liked to see a reattack there, but he's being very careful. Like I said, he really shuts it down against high level guys. 
not nearly as offensive. RBY could work in the head well, too. Got a little snap down there. And off a snap down, you have someone standing back up into their stance, and you have them in a, a momentarily compromised position, so you could shoot off to an angle, uh, or you could just try to work from front headlock, get it go behind, you know, shoot off their, their rise. There's a lot you can do there, so snap downs are a very important part of your, your setups of your offense. Not everything is a leg attack. Got wrist, wrist and collar there for fix. RBY hanging on the head. A little fake there for a snatch single from fix. It's brawl from RBY. It's pulling him off those uh, overties. See if he's trying to pull him into a shot, get his feet moving. I expected a conservative approach from fix. So, oh, almost a shot. Oh, got a front headlock there for fix. Looking for a little go behind, but RBY covers the stance well. Yeah, reattacks are, are how people score the most often at the, at the highest level. Someone takes a bad shot on you, you defend, put them out of position, hit your own shot. Um, so you wait for them to open up. Oh, almost a go behind there for RBY on fix the shot. Almost a throw by there. A little shuck uh, as he's standing up. Got double underhooks here. I think he'll just push him out. Probably not going to go for anything here. If he does, he'll probably try to throw him by and throw that underhook through and try to work him over to some sort of rear standing position. They're going to blow that dead. So no stall calls so far. No score so far. 10 seconds left in the period. That's probably going to be it. We'll see who gets choice going in the second period. The person who gets choice is probably going to pick bottom because if you get up, you get one point. Uh, fix is very good on top. So I would understand if RBY didn't pick bottom if he got it, but we'll see what happens. Green gets choice. It's RBY. He defers. So it's uh, Fix's choice and Fix takes bottom. So third period, RBY will get choice again. So he wants to see what the match is going to be like later so he can make a more intelligent decision about, about his choice. So he's going to fall over to one hip, put that claw and put the uh, half Nelson in, try to ride that hip. See if he gets a return here. If they go out of bounds, they restart, and he still has top control. He's going to get him out of bounds here, get a restart. He's got 12 seconds here. Now, something important about college wrestling is riding time. If you get one minute of control on top, you have a riding time advantage, and you get one point at the end of the match. And that can be huge in a tight matchup like this. Oh, RBY doubles off for the return there. So still has control. Puts that claw in, goes to knee tap. Yeah, knee tap return. Nice. He's riding him tough here. He's got that uh, that one hook in. You might call that an Iowa ride and little headstand. Granby attempt from Fix tries to get to his own shot to try to get some separation here. Um, but yeah, that riding time point can be important. But it's not just like if you get a minute total to get the point automatically, it goes both ways. So if your riding time clock is at one in your favor, then the other person starts to ride you, it goes back down the other way. So it's a, it's a flowing, moving criteria. Oh, nice uh, scissor trip return from RBY. Sometimes they call that illegal if you leave your feet, but he, uh, he that was pretty controlled. And he's got that leg locked up now. He's still got that tight waist with his right arm. He's breaking down, chopping down the posting hands with fix with his left arm. Putting a lot of pressure on. Oh, you see how he scooped up that leg there? Oh, that's, that's, that's nice with his foot. Now he's got riding time. So he's been riding him for over a minute now. Chopping and breaking him down. And Fix got rode at Big 12s, the conference championships. So this could be an issue for him. Um, I think maybe Penn State scouted that. Oh, nice Granby attempt. But Fix ends up on his back. Whew. You have to get a two count to get back points. So that wasn't anything yet. But if you're already in control and they, they roll through their back, they can start swiping for, for back points. So you got to be careful. If it's neutral, if no one has a takedown yet, where no one has control technically, and you roll across your back, they'll they'll start counting for five, and at five, it's a takedown, then they start swiping for backs. But there's a lot more leniency with going across your back when you're not already in control. If you're the person in control and you go across your back, 
same as the neutral rules, really. Very interesting dynamic here so far. So that's a ride out almost for RBY. Um, Got to assume he's going to get that point. So he's going to get that ride in time point, which is about as good as if he escaped. But now if you're, date, if you're RBY, you're going to have choice in the third. Do you just take top again and try to ride him again? <laughs> that could be a good strategy, right? Um, interesting to see here. He's got that claw right across the tight waist. He's controlling that leg. He's just riding the same hip pretty much. Oh, look, he switched across to the other foot and scooped that up. Very good control from Roman Bravo Young. That was, that was great riding. Excellent job. Excellent job. Didn't, no one was expecting that. No one thought he would ride him out for the full period. Like I said, he struggled a little bit on bottom at Big 12s, but nothing significant. But that That's huge. So now uh, Roman Bravo Young's going to get choice. He's going to take bottom. He's going to get out. Uh, Fix is just going to cut him because he knows he needs a takedown. He shouldn't try to ride him out. He's going to cut him. Yeah, he's just going to let him up, give him the escape point because he needs to take him down no matter what. He probably needs to take him down multiple times, in fact, because if he takes him down once, and doesn't ride him out the full period. Oh, and Roman Bravo Young in deep. Oh, and Fix rolls across, gets a crotch lock position. He might either try to stalemate this out or turn this into his own takedown. We'll see what happens here. I think he's looking for a stalemate, but that was a deep shot by RBY. I'm very smart to attack right away. But he knew Fix is going to be coming after him and get that pressure off a little bit. So Fix needs a takedown, which will technically put him in the lead. Put, actually, it'll tie it. Because just add that point for Roman Bravo Young, he technically has two points right now because don't expect Fix to take off that riding time. Um, there's just not enough time on the clock for that. He needs multiple takedowns. So huge sense of urgency here from Fix. Oh, I don't know why they just changed the camera view, but <laughs> Fix has got to go. So he's got this deep underhook. He's jacking him up. Let's see if he steps across. So he tries a foot sweep. Oh, still got it. Still got it. RBY keeping his hips way back. Yep. Playing super defensive there. That was close. That was close. Yeah. Like I said, RBY works really well with the lead, uh, as I predicted before we started. So this is this is great for him so far. Um, he's in full control of this match. Um, and like I said, Fix hasn't really shown it that much offense yet, so we don't even know if he can reliably get to the legs. Um, he hasn't been on the leg yet. And there's an ice reattack. You know, shucks him down off the shot and tries to hit that reattack. So RBY stay on offense. He was not playing full defense. He's not going to get it for stalling here. So huge ride. And great defense and great strategy from RBY. This is awesome. That's a huge win for him. And, you know, this is folk style, and he's won this match by, by riding and not getting any takedowns. So it's not like, oh, he can make the freestyle, you know, Olympic team or world team, but he's going to go. He's going to be there. He's going to qualify for the Olympic trials, but he's going to win this match. Um, so that's a national champion for Penn State. And the first, their first of, uh, I think, three or four chances they're going to get here in the finals. So uh, they're definitely, and this is great head to head. Because like I said, they and Oklahoma State were uh, tied for second right now. So uh, Penn State's going to pull away and, and get second place here, uh, which is great for them. Yeah, he won this match. Wow. He shut he shut Dayton Fix out. That was incredible. Where did Fix get those points? I guess I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Terrible commentary by me. I wasn't paying attention. I was announcing the victory. Um, I guess Dayton Fix got a, got a stall point which I think is not right. <laughs> There's the attack from Fix. Chucks him down to front headlock to RBY. I wish I could take that commentary back and see what the point was, but I'm assuming it's a stall point. Um, but I, I don't have sound on, so I can't hear the refs, so I couldn't hear if they're giving stalls, stall calls. I'm just trying to watch the match, man. But I think the stall calls are BS. Uh, RBY was staying active. 
Vic stalled way more in the first period, but they start calling stalling a lot more in the third. Oh, there's RBY in the legs. That's done. That's done. It's two points and sudden victory. So the first the first minute of overtime is sudden victory. First point wins. Then they go into overtime rideouts, but he didn't need it. Didn't need it. That's a clean win for RBY. Roman Ravion. That's huge for him. Huge for him. And uh, that that's an amazing win. Dayton Fix, still no NCAA title. That's the second time in the finals. Still no title. Uh, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> that was a great performance. Uh, the ride, especially. And Dayton Fix is running out of there. He's, uh, he's very upset. Uh, yeah. I mean, one-year suspension coming back like that, definitely definitely a tough, a tough ask. Um, I get it. I get it. Super tough. All right, next match is going to be 141. It's going to be Nick Lee from Penn State again versus Jaden Ironman from Iowa. So another uh, big head-to-head matchup. So I'm excited for that one. So I'll be back with you guys in a second. All right, we're about to get going. 141 pounds, Nick Lee from Penn State versus Jaden Ironman from Iowa. Ironman's been the number one guy all year, and he beat Nick Lee at Big Tens at the conference championship. But it was a crazy match, very competitive. Uh, Jane Ironman uh, is actually adopted by Mike Ironman. That's his adopted father. Mike Ironman is the one who, with Ben Askren, came up with the whole system of funk wrestling and funk rolling. So, so a little bit of background there for MMA fans. Uh, Ironman wrestled for Missouri for uh, three or four years. And now he's using his last year of eligibility uh, for the University of Iowa, transferred. And I think he has freestyle aspirations, and that's, that's why he's there. Like I said, number one guy all year, had a great tournament thus far. Uh, yeah, it's looking good. It's looking good. Been getting pins, uh, scoring a lot of points, and that's great. He's a very funky wrestler, uh, very creative, very strong, very big for the weight. Nick Lee wrestles pretty much exactly like Zane Rutherford, just not as good and maybe a higher pace. Uh, very, very active on his feet, high attack rate. I think it's going to be an exciting match. Uh, he's good on top, great motor. And uh, he beat Sebastian Rivera in the semifinals, and that was a crazy match at Big Tens as well. And uh, that, that, was, that was a huge win for him. So he's got a lot of momentum coming into this. And I expect a really, really competitive, fun match here. And Iowa already has the team title clinched up. But again, another win for Penn State would be big for them, especially in what's called a down year, considering how many titles they've won in the past. And a whole big outside double from Iron Ironman tries a shuck by, overhook shuck. <laughs> oh, the feet. <laughs> overhook shuck off the attack. But yeah, he's super strong from those upper body positions. He'll shoot his way into crazy situations and, try to score in really unconventional ways. And Lee is uh, certainly textbook, the way he wrestles. It's very uh, sharp, sharp contrast. Stark contrast, I think that's the word. There's a lot of contrast between their styles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, already already very interesting. A lot of fakes there from Ironman. Ironman defeated the Olympic champion Vladimir Konchekashvili uh, recently at a, at a pro event. A lot of momentum from him. All the, ooh, nice spin and kick out from Ironman. Nice sportsmanship, letting him pull up his sock from Lee. There's another another uh, high elbow pass into the high crotch. Ironman squaring up his hips, keeping pressure, staying up. He loves to scramble, so I assume Lee's going to get into his legs a lot, but we'll see if he can score. It's a different story. We'll see what Ironman can do to get his offense going. Oh, outside double, and on the leg there, nothing. Reattack from Lee. Underhooks by Ironman, and they're going to go out of bounds again, but he's got both legs. Oh, wow. Flexed out of that and got the wizard and hipping in. Strong hips there from Ironman. You saw how he's put him off his base, just hipping forward. 
Yeah, crazy reactions. Too much to cover all at once live, but uh, the attributes for Iron Man are really, really helping him out here. He wrestles a very dangerous style, but it's gotten him this far. He said uh, Lee's pulling his headgear a little bit. Another uh, throw-by attempt there, another shock attempt from Iron Man. He's coming after him. But Ironman's taking shots, too, so I'm not expecting any stalling calls, but uh, they surprised me with their stall calls last match, so we'll see what happens here. Uh, big snap, big snap from Ironman. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens when they get on the mat and do some mat wrestling rideouts or scrambles or what have you. We'll see what happens there because uh, these guys match up in a very interesting way. Uh, the Big Ten match, I think Ironman scored off a crazy, like, Merkel position, like an inside trip or some some, some wild kind of trip. All big <laughs> stepped over the single there. Like I said, not necessarily things you would teach to a, a beginning wrestler, but uh, he's practiced this stuff. It's his style. And like I said, Mike Ironman's an inventor of different ways of wrestling and definitely likes guys to be awkward and creative and do their own thing. And that's that's his son. So <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, another big outside double from Ironman. He's all oh, great hips from Levy. Switches off to the single. A shelf that. I think they're going to go out of bounds here again. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh. Shelving that leg. Oh, turn him back into center. Got him on his knee. It's going to be hard to pull that in now that Lee's reattacking. Yeah, Ironman just wants a restart. Great scrambles already. Very tough wrestling. Uh, both guys have been in deep on attacks. I don't expect either of these guys to fade, but if one guy did fade, it would probably be Ironman because I've never seen Nick Lee get tired. <laughs> he gets stronger as the match goes on. He's uh, definitely getting to his attacks, and it's very exciting already. So despite no score, that was an excellent first period. I'm looking forward to the mat wrestling. I assume they're going to be picking top and bottom. No, no, no one's going to pick neutral here. So, uh, yeah, Lee gets choice. He defers to Ironman. Ironman's going down. Yep. So Lee's great on top, but Ironman very tricky from bottom. Uh, I assume he'll just try to get up normally, but he might he might try to be Granby and, and sit back and, and try to get height, try to get a reversal here. Reversal's two points. Um, so if you can get a reversal and put a ride on him, that could be something. Caution on Lee. You get, you get like four or five different cautions before it's a point. It just uh, didn't got well started too early there before the whistle. And Ironman's right up. He's just going to peel those hands off and try to get yeah, one point. There you go. Reversal is not totally worth it, honestly, because you get two, the reversal, and then they escape. And then it's, you only have a one point lead from that situation anyway. So it's the same deal as if you just stand up and escape. <laughs> so. Unless you're Jake Wenzel, who we'll see later, and you're very, very, very tough on top, and you have a big advantage there, doesn't really make sense to try to do that. That's what Wenzel did in his uh, semifinal. Snapping the hands there as Ironman. Nice level fix. Using his head to fake, too. Oh, big outside double, chasing to the single. Now he's got that. Try to outside uh, trip finish on that single. They're in the seatbelt position. Lee's in the wizard, tries to Ushimata there. Oh, nice by Ironman, stepping between the legs. Now he's on the body lock. Oh, Lee tries to throw. Didn't expect that. They're back to their feet, and they're going to go out of bounds here again. Oh, they're going to circle back in. Good job. Keep the action going. These guys just like to keep keep it flowing. <laughs> now, not a lot of breaks. So let situations develop. You can see there on the clock that Lee only rode him for eight seconds, so riding time, obviously, not a factor. Ironman uh, rode, rode Lee pretty tough, I believe, um, at Big Ten. So we'll see what happens if, if Lee takes bottom in the third. I believe he will because Ironman has this one-point advantage, and you, you don't want it to be that he doesn't need to score in the third period. You want to at least send it to overtime if no one scores. So we'll probably see. I think we're going to see someone score in the third period. Lee 
hanging onto his chin strap and, and oh, nice shuck by there from on the shot from the wizard. Um, the Ironman's been complaining about Lee grabbing his headgear and his chin strap, so I wonder if that's bothering him. Ironman's doing well to control ties here and make sure that Lee can't get it on his legs. Looks like they're going to go to the third period with uh, no takedown yet. He's trying, he's trying to counter off Lee's shots there. He saw he tried that overhook shot again. I believe that's how he scored at Big Tens, if I'm not mistaken. So not a crazy strategy. And Lee's got to take neutral, so Lee has to take him down to win. He does not get a takedown on Ironman. Oh, he's on the legs, and they're always on the hip. Oh, he's got to finish this. That's two. Wow, scores right away. Cracked him down to the hip and, and covered on the other side for the double. Now he's got that uh, the Iowa ride, you call it, sitting on the leg there. Got one leg hook sitting on the ankle. Putting his head in the shoulder to break him down. Ironman funking through. It's a leg pass. And Lee just gets height to get out of it. That's smart. Now he's got the half in. Claw to half. Ironman's up. Going to peel the hands here. He's going to escape. So they're tied. So now if there's not another takedown, they'll go to overtime. We'll see if Ironman can score. Ironman's been getting to his single off those outside double attempts. We'll see if he tries that again. You got to be careful because if you take a bad shot, you can get countered. Or if you're you know, sloppy to get back into your stance, which sometimes Ironman is, you can get hit with a reshot and we could get another takedown. And even if you escape, that's a one-point lead and you haven't been able to take him down yet. So you play it safe and try to send it to Southern Victory or just try to get more aggressive here. Who knows? I'm not really sure what I would do in this situation, but uh, easier said than done, just take him down. Yeah, see there, there's that outside double attempt and, Lee hustles to try to reattack, but Ironman's good to get back to safety. So you got less than a minute here. Lee's chin strap came off his headgear. Easy fix. Ironman fiddling with his socks again. Yeah, it's it's fashionable in wrestling to wear mid-calf socks, and I, I agree that you should always wear mid-calf socks, but they do roll down sometimes. <laughs> that can bother you. feels uncomfortable. They bunch up. And, you know, it's, it's harder to defend shots. Sometimes you get an easier grip on a bunched up part of your sock than a, a smooth part of your sock. These are all very important factors. Don't consider that. Elbow pass into the shot there from Lee. Ironman defending on the edge. Lee's going to try to get height on that leg and pull him back into the center to try to finish. Oh, nice kicking back that rear leg from Ironman because a lot of time guys just dive to try to get to that rear ankle on the edge there to cover for two. Uh, it's a difficult situation to wrestle out of, especially because the mat ends so so soon. Um, you don't have a lot of room to work if you're the defensive guy. You don't want to be like on concrete or anything, but luckily it's not hardwood floor <laughs> in this situation, but that, that does happen sometimes. Oh, there is a deep shot outside from, from Ironman. Yeah, he doesn't really set up his shots, but he's very explosive. <laughs> At least got that reattack like I talked about. And yeah, Ironman not looking to cross face or do traditional defense. He's looking to, you know, come over the body and try to get some sort of counter situation or or funk into a stalemate, but they're going to go to overtime. So right now we're going to have one minute of sudden victory, first point wins, stall points, takedowns, penalty point, whatever it is. If there's no score in that first minute, they go to rideouts. Each man has to ride out for 30 seconds and highest score at the end of the rideouts will win. And if there's no, <laughs> if there's no winner after that, if they're still tied, then uh, they do another minute of sudden victory and they do that three times. Oh, they're, Oh, big takedown from Lee. He countered the double underhooks from Ironman. Nick Lee's a national champion. That happened so fast. 
sometimes wrestling victories are anticlimactic, man. He scored right away in sudden victory. That's our second match with, with the sudden victory takedown win. And I, I definitely want to see that again. So I think Ironman had double underhooks. And I'd like to see what, uh, what Lee did to counter. Maybe Lee had double underhooks. I'm not sure. The Lee going upper body with Ironman would be very surprising because that's, uh, that's kind of how Ironman won their first match. First title at 141 pounds in, in program history. That's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. That makes you the greatest person at that weight in, in the history of your school. And Ironman's got to be crushed because, you know, he, he took an extra year to get this year. You know, he, had to, he had to pull some strings to be able to wrestle because uh, his career should have been over at Missouri. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. So Penn State, you have to question how they got all those titles over so many years. You know, in the past decade or so, the only – team that's won a title other than Penn State is Ohio State in 2015. It's been all Penn State all day for a long time since Kale took over. And uh, they're they're good. <laughs> they're good. And they peak for March. Um, they're at their best at the national championship. So despite Iowa holding on to that team title, they're not going to lose it in any of these matches. Um, they're going to try to put champs in at every at every weight, uh, every weight they have. And they have another finalist coming up at uh, 174, Carter Starachi. And another one at 184 with uh, Aaron Brooks. So they're going to get two more chances for titles. So four champs would be pretty incredible. <laughs> they had five champs one of the years that they won. So imagine having four champs and not winning the title. So their team's a little bit understaffed this year. They're, they're not totally at full strength. But uh, next year, you have to imagine they're going to be favorites to win the whole thing because uh, I always got some guys graduating and Penn State, I think, got everybody still. Um, so that was, that was a big one. It looks like we're rolling right into 149. I'm not sure, but it's going to be Sammy Sasso from Ohio State versus Austin O'Connor from UNC. Uh, UNC is an ACC school, so obviously I support. And I love Austin O'Connor's style. I've done a commentary on him. Uh, ACC Championship Finals. You can find that on Patreon. I don't know. We're on commercials. All right. You can find that on Patreon. Sammy Sasso is a Pennsylvanian native. He's from uh, the Lehigh Valley, District 11. He's a very, very crafty mat wrestler, interesting counters, good single legs, uh, very tricky wrestler to beat. Austin O'Connor is much more traditional style, uh, heavy on underhooks and body locks, got a nice outside double, scrambles well, uh, puts things together really well, really tough on top, really brutal, strong. I like his style a lot. I don't love Sasso's style, but it is interesting, and it definitely appeals to a certain type of fan. So we'll see what happens. I picked O'Connor to win the title. He's been the number one guy all year. And uh, Sasso's look tough. He's looked tough this tournament. So I'm excited. I'd like the ACC to get a champ here. Uh, Big Ten's always ho hogging all the, all the championships, all the titles. Um, I'd like to see the ACC do as well as possible. And uh, UNC, I believe, is uh, like 16th in, in the team score right now. So I'd like to bump them up and get more representation in the top 15 uh, for the Atlantic Coastal Conference. So we'll be back in a second for 149. These, these first two matches were very good. Um, this, is, this is why this is the best best event in uh, American wrestling. So short break, be right back. Go baby, 149, we're just rolling right through. Uh, I love this tournament, it's been so good, so good. Yeah, we're gonna get Austin O'Connor versus Sammy Sasso here. Uh, number one versus number two guy, number one versus number two seed. Uh, they seeded Sasso first, although O'Connor was ranked number one by most outlets, but replaying some of his highlights here, Sasso's been a hammer on top, O'Connor's been good on his feet and on top. Uh, Sasso definitely has a better style to score more points, but O'Connor, I think, more consistent. I think in freestyle, O'Connor is going to transfer a lot better. I expect him to do well. Uh, the United, uh, what am I talking about? University of North Carolina has a good uh, wrestling club. 
Tony Ramos, uh, uh, Coleman Scott, Jordan Oliver, uh, Kenny Monday. They got a lot of talent down there for coaching and, and training partners. So I think Austin O'Connor is going to be really good at the senior level. Sasso, I'm not so sure about uh, his style. is very folk oriented, which why I'm saying enjoy him, enjoy him while he's here. And I don't know what's going on with the picture, but yeah, I switched cameras. Yeah, no, O'Connor has long hair, so they force you to do cornrows, um, which I think fair, fair. <laughs> so don't don't judge him for his cornrows. It's this regulation. And for O'Connor, you definitely want him to get to his underhooks and uh, move Sasso around, try to get the body lock positions. He's got good shots too, but you know the less time they're scrambling around the mat, the better for O'Connor. That's Sasso is very creative and strong, and uh, has all his best offense. There's the underhook for O'Connor. Sasso tries to snap him down, get him out of a strong position. He's really heavy on Sasso's head. He's going to try to muscle him around. He's uh, showing a lot of deep level fakes, so expect some outside doubles uh, and, and strong explosive shots on the outside as well from him. He's, uh, he's moving Sasso around here, but that's not, not too much of an issue so far. Let's see what happens. Sasso doing a pretty good job denying the underhooks, but he can't keep O'Connor off his head. So I think he's going to be shooting off this hand fight any second now. I think he's going to be taking some, some wide shots and it's going to have to work through to, to get to the legs and finish. Um, probably not super clean attacks from him. For O'Connor, everything is very, very well set up, very procedural. Some call him a brawler. If you use underhooks, the commentators call you a brawler. I'm like, all right, fine. Oh, there's heavy on front headlock there trying to snap him down. You got to be careful if you do like a big snap and you know, commit and kick your feet back and get your hips down. If you fall off the head, then you're, you're on your knees in front of your, your opponent. So he's forcing these level changes from Sasso with his level fakes and then uh, attacking the head once the head lowers. It's a good, good little process here from O'Connor. He definitely has a game. He's very well put together. Whereas Sasso is more like he has a skill set. <laughs> he has some setups, but O'Connor really has uh, something that works all together. I think that's easy for uh, fans to understand if you can uh, explain it to them. So if you're looking to analyze wrestling, I think Austin O'Connor is a good, a good wrestler to watch. I think we'll have an article on him coming out someday because uh, Jack is interested in writing about him. I'm interested in having Jack write about him. So <laughs> hopefully that happens. A uh, good little sprawl there from O'Connor and good fake, keeping it moving. Yeah, I feel like the refs are going to ding O'Connor for stalling sooner than Sasso because Sasso took a leg attack, uh, even though that O'Connor is keeping busy with, with his hand fighting and his underhooks. Uh, but they don't see that as an attack. They don't look at that as action, which I, th I disagree with. But you just have to know what the refs you know consider to be activity. Both in collars, ties there. Good snap down and kick back to prevent Sasso from getting to his legs. The defense looks good for O'Connor. He's working on him with the front head and the snap downs. Got a nice grip on the chin there. Sasso just trying to shoot to get out of that position. Yeah, I, I have a feeling stall calls are going to be a factor here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, Sasso defers. O'Connor takes bottom. So Sasso will get choice in the third. I think the guy that's deferred has won every match so far. RBY deferred and took neutral, and Lee deferred and took neutral. And that worked out well for both of them. So why not full screen? I am. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> that worked out well for both of them. Sasso comes over the top, sitting on that knee. O'Connor trying to get back to his base. He's up to his feet. It's a big return there, trap arm return from, from Sasso. He's tough on top, man, like I told you. 
So you might consider not taking bottom, but O'Connor's confident in his ability to get up. Let's see if that pays off. And if Sasso rides him here, then he's probably <laughs> going to take top. Now, very rarely does a guy who like rides out an entire period not win a match. So see what happens here. Uh, O'Connor's down over his, his hip there on one side, so not a sturdy base. Now he's back on his knees, but Sasso's going to throw a leg in. Try to break him down. O'Connor's back to his butt. Tough position. He's on Sasso's leg, but Sasso's looking to come over the top and try to lock up a cradle, perhaps. See that? He's got one arm over the head. Keeps thinking about looping the other one under that leg to try to cradle. O'Connor's having a hard time getting his posture up. Now it's a minute of riding time. This is where Sasso's best. They're going to call that position dead and stalemate it, so he's going to get a fresh start on bottom here. He's going to have to explode up to his feet real quick because he can't give Sasso time to put his hooks in him break him down because once he's in those positions he's very sticky very tough to get separation there so even though he's not turning him you know that riding time point is a big deal so you, you at least need to get your escape point there we go he turns in hard kicks his hips out and reaches back to throw off the hands big explosive get up technical stand up from uh, O'Connor so if he can if, uh, if Sasso picks bottom in the next period, O'Connor only needs to ride him for 10 seconds to take off that riding time point. But if you're Sasso, you already have the point. So do you take bottom? Where do you take top? Try to ride him out and send him to overtime or get a turn or, or four stall calls. I'm not sure. Uh, it's only 24 seconds here, so I don't expect a takedown to be a factor in this period. So I'm very interested to see what the decision-making is in the next period. In these high-level matches, you see it's been sided by one takedown thus far. For both matches, for two takedowns rather, in the uh, the Lee Ironman match, but it's, it's close. You know, I mean, every every little point, every decision counts. The tactics are very important. The strategies are very important. The way you manage a match, and that's another you know full minute of O'Connor not wearing on Sasso's head and breaking him down. It's uh, O'Connor having to carry Sasso's weight and having to build up, and Sasso doing what he's very comfortable doing. So. The attritional factor is uh, less there. And if Sasso can get up in less than 10 seconds here, uh, then he's up too. That's huge, huge for Ohio State if he does that. But Connor's riding that leg really well. He's got that pinched. Sasso's up to his feet. Oh, he got up. So he's got the riding time point and the escape. So he's up two right now. He's up one point right now. So he's got that. So Connor needs to take him down. There's his level fake. So he's going to be attacking pretty soon. Get to his underhook. Sasso's backing away. So this is when the, the refs need to understand the dynamic of the match and, and call it stalling more intelligently, but they, they often don't. They often don't. Like you can see in the situation where stalling would benefit a wrestler, oh, he try, tries to throw him over from the collar there, get to maybe a Merkel position or reverse standing, but Sasso disengages. Got a little over a minute to work here for O'Connor. Very much like to see him win a title. He's very good. He was very good right away when he got to college. So was Sasso, honestly. He pinned, he pinned a lot of high-ranked guys right away when he came in, but big outside attack from O'Connor. He's just trying to force the stall calls at this point, I think. It was be active. Even if you don't get your attack, you might be able to get that stall point and send it to overtime. Give yourself one more clock. Oh, there's that Merkel position. If you get the leg in, if you get behind the arms and you get him down to the mat, that's a takedown. So we'll see what happens here. That's two. That's two. That's the Merkel. That's two, and let's see if he can ride him. Oh, so he's got that riding time point off now, too. 
So if Sasso gets up, O'Connor's still in the lead, but Sasso might try to reverse here. That stalemate, that, that, that stalemate was big for O'Connor not getting reversed. You can just cut Sasso now and stall for 30 seconds. They might have hit stalling. Yeah, they hit O'Connor for stalling because he's just holding that Merkel. But that was huge. That was huge. They're reviewing the call for no takedown or they're doing blood. I'm not sure. I think they were doing blood time for, for Sasso, cleaning him up. Yeah, no, no review. A review would be good for, for O'Connor. I think he needs a little bit of a longer, a little bit of a, a break. <laughs> they're going to go right into it. So O'Connor's going to try to ride him. Honestly, he can give up and escape. So he just has to not get reversed here. There's this Granby from Sasso. O'Connor riding tough. Soon Sasso's going to cut and get up. So he's got to go hard for a takedown for 20 seconds. There he is. Big sprawl from O'Connor. He's flat. The Sasso. O'Connor's got super heavy hips. Tries a dump there to Sasso. Big cross face from O'Connor. I peel those hands off. Oh, he's deep on that double. He's got the single raised. He's kicking the leg out. Oh, wow. He's got the foot. He's got the foot. He's got the foot. Oh, they're going to challenge that. They're going to challenge that. I don't think it was a takedown, but they're going to challenge that for sure. So O'Connor might have just won the title, but there's the brick you see right in the middle of the map, the red brick from Ohio State. They're going to challenge for a takedown. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the criteria is exactly for a takedown, but that could be a takedown. So that would be the win for Sasso if he got that um, versus the win for O'Connor. So it's a huge call. We're going to see a ton of replays here, I think. And the officials should have someone in the commentary telling us what the rules are, but wow. So you saw uh, O'Connor looking for that whip over from basically from the collar tie, pulling the arm and throwing him over by the collar to put uh, himself in front of Sasso's body. So normally it's not a good situation to be in as a wrestler. You don't want to expose your back to someone, but if you can get behind the arm and control the head and hook your leg inside their two legs. That's called a Merkel, and that's considered a takedown. Um, it's also a good position from top. So if you are, are riding someone, you put that leg in, you can actually turn someone there. You can actually pin someone from there. So it's considered an offensive position, and it is technically a takedown. There are a few positions that are like that, are the technically, technically takedowns, like a cradle. If, you, if you're in a neutral position, oh, they're saying no takedown. O'Connor Selection. Wow. First national champion since 1995 for UNC. Fantastic. Fantastic. That, that's my guy. Uh, I really like Austin O'Connor. He, he gutted out that match. That was impressive. He still got another season after this. He could have two seasons after this, actually, because this year doesn't count for eligibility. Uh, excellent match for O'Connor. And celebrating. He's very happy. He's very emotional. It's Coleman Scott in his corner celebrating with him. Coleman Scott, Olympic bronze medalist, head coach at UNC. Wow. Wow. <laughs> they gutted that one out for sure. That was a tough match. That was a very tough match. And Sasso came on strong at the end, and he really fought up for that takedown. He almost had that. So Sasso's going to be a problem as well moving forward. And uh, whew, these matches are so close. So close. Uh, when You don't even know, if, if you didn't watch the rest of the tournament, you don't even know how tough every single other match has been. Uh, you know, to get to each next round, to get a placement, to the blood round, to see if you're an All-American, the medal matches after you become an All-American. Every match has been super, super scrappy and tough. Uh, heartbreak and excitement and electricity all over the place. Um, it's my favorite tournament for that reason. This means so much to these guys. Um, and, you know, when you're an American fan watching this, if you're a longtime wrestling fan, if you're in the know, 
some of these guys have been watching them since high school. You know what I mean? Some of these guys have been watching them since middle school. You might know them personally. Um, it just has so much more weight to it and with the teams and it's, it just has a lot more meaning. So I know the Olympics are the pinnacle of, of sport, but a lot of the time, especially for American fans, they don't, they don't know who most of those guys are and they don't really watch freestyle outside of the Americans at the Olympics of world. So <sighs> it's a, uh, it's, there's a lot of weight to it. And I've been watching Austin O'Connor for a while. So that meant a lot to me. And Sammy Sasso is kind of annoying. <laughs> no, uh, he, I, I like, I, I root for all PA guys, but I, I just, uh, I'm an ACC homer, um, so I, I was rooting for O'Connor there. I'm not hiding my bias at all. I'm not trying to. So we're going to be moving on to our next match. We're going to be very biased again. Uh, David Carr, uh, junior world champion, versus Jesse Delavecchia, who upset his way into the finals. We'll talk about that. Let's talk about that right now, actually. So <clears throat> the number one guy at this weight was Ryan Deegan from Northwestern. Ryan Deegan is a junior world silver medalist. He beat James Green on the freestyle circuit. James Green's made the world team many, many times. He's medaled at Worlds twice. Uh, very super credentialed and tough guy. So Deacon has a win over him. Got a world medal. Uh, he, he was dominating this weight pretty much for the past couple of years. He was the number one guy last year when they didn't have the tournament. So uh, Deacon was supposed to be the guy, and he showed up not looking so hot at this tournament. Got in his way through a few matches. In the quarterfinals, he had a really close call with a frantic from North Dakota state who was, should not have been in that match with him at all. And he was very, very close to losing. He had to pull a takedown out of his butt at the end to win that one and get to the semis. And then the court and the, and the quarters and then the semifinals, Delavecchia pinned Deacon uh, number four seed, but number four seed versus number one seed does not actually imply how big of an upset that it was because Delavecchia's four seed was off beaten up competition in the mid Atlantic conference, the Mac which is not a very tough conference. He didn't wrestle anyone ranked all year. Uh, he met maybe like one guy. And uh, so his seed was a little inflated. The season's weird where you're not getting a lot of cross-conference competition. So some guys have really nice records that didn't wrestle anyone tough. Um, MMA fans can relate to that, and uh, or boxing fans even. Uh, so, you know, it, it was not expected that Delvecchio would make it very far in this tournament. His four seed was kind of seen as, as paper. He pinned Deacon. So he's in the finals off that. And bottom half of the bracket, the two top guys are David Carr and Hayden Hydley. Hayden Hydley was a number two guy this year, I believe. Uh, Four-time All-American at this point. Very tough guy, very credentialed. Has some senior-level wins as well. And David David Carr took him out. And David Carr, like I said, junior world champion. So good that he teched his opponent in the junior world finals, I believe. And then his opponent, Gazia from Azerbaijan, a couple months later went to world senior world's for Azerbaijan and beat like three world bronze medalists, like three really credential guys in a row and then lost to Jordan Burroughs and then Burroughs didn't make the finals. So he was out, but David Carr is really, really good. <laughs> Senior level. Good. So uh, David Carr is going to be heavily favored in this match, despite it being the three seed versus the four seed. Uh, but he should absolutely be winning this match. And he is a sophomore, I believe it's his second year of eligibility. It took a red shirt year. Uh, Jesse Delvecchia, Really came out of nowhere. He wrestles for Ryder in New Jersey. I covered Ryder a lot in, in the past season. I went to all of their home duels, and I got to know Dale back here pretty well, and I interviewed him. And uh, he moved up in weight, uh, like three weight classes. And uh, it's just a, a big underdog story for him. I don't think Ryder's had a finals finalist in a very long time. Maybe at never. <laughs> Maybe never had a finalist in program history. So him winning would be a monumental achievement in many, many different ways. Uh, but this could be like the coronation for David Carr. 
I thought that if David Carr made the finals against Deacon, Carr would win because he beat Carr at Senior Nationals and he beat Deacon at Senior Nationals. But uh, I thought if Hydley made the finals, I was picking him, but Deacon has beat up Hydley every time they wrestled. So uh, I thought it was going to be Deacon or Carr, but no Deacon. <laughs> so we'll see what happens here. There's David Carr. He comes from a famous wrestling family, a uh, very credentialed college and international styles wrestlers in Pennsylvania and uh, other states as well. They're very, very well spread out. Carr chose Iowa State because I believe his brother, uncle, dad, I don't know, is the, uh, the wrestling club coach, the freestyle coach. So that helps with recruiting him there. I didn't do my homework before this. I just, uh, things I know off the top of my head, really. <laughs> Yeah, Delavecchia's style is like all funk, pretty much. He just likes to, uh, he works well on the mat, but it's just like creating funky situations off other people's shots usually. Uh, similar to Ironman, but you know, more, more leg passing focused and, you know, he's lanky. Uh, David Carr, very traditional style. He's slick. He has good outside attacks, good leg attacks, uh, very, very good, you know, process driven game. Uh, very solid everywhere. His style for freestyle. Delavecchia's style would not work in freestyle. He'd be giving up points left and right. But uh, for folk, it's a different story. So he could make it interesting because I, I expect Carr to get to his legs fairly easily. But we can see if Delavecchia can, can create these scrambles and see what he can do on the mat. Uh, he might just try to stall out on the feet and see what he can do on top. We'll see what happens there. I mean, he pinned Deacon on top. So could be a thing. Could be a thing. And we're starting. It's 157-pound championship. The last one before my heart is going to be exploding out of my chest for, for a pit wrestler. So yeah, Delavec is staying low, staying long. He he really wants to prevent Carr from getting to his legs at all. I don't think he'll be looking to attack very much. He wants to be on the mat primarily. Carr wants to rack up some takedowns, make sure this is not a close match. Put him away. And he had a couple takedowns against Hydley. There's an outside double attempt. Not much set up there and uh, didn't really get Delavec out of his stance. But you know, he's got a good double and someone like Jordan Burroughs, they can shoot through your underhooks from that position. No problem. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you have a good defensive stance. So I understand the, uh, the attempt there. Got a little sweep single reach. And just keep taking attacks. If they're not going to re-attack, if they're not going to counter you, even if you're not getting the attacks, just keep shooting. Because they will hit your opponent for stalling. And if they do it twice, that's a point. So it's as good as getting a, as getting a takedown eventually. It's a good strategy here from uh, from David Carr. Let's get the attacks going early. Try to show the refs are working. I think I have blood time out here. Uh, Delavecchia's nose is bleeding. Let's plug it up and send him back out there. <laughs> get snap from Carr. Yeah, if you snap someone down enough, it, it gets really tiring to hold up your head. <laughs> yeah, your your neck and your upper back muscles get tired. And if you're in that low stance, it, it becomes very difficult to hold that and you come up out of your stance more often. There's a shot there from Delavecchia, so that'll be good. Get the ref off his back. And if he can get to the legs himself, that, that'd be awesome. But activity is the name of the game here. As you've noticed in these past few matches, gamesmanship is, is key. It's very close like this. Tries to throw by that... Uh, that wrist to get to the legs, but uh, Delvecchia stays defensive and backs out of it. Delvecchia on the head now. I, that, that's definitely an option when you both are staying in low stances like that. Another good snap from Carr. 
low stance, very low stances. Another head fake there from Carr, trying to lower his level. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see guys work more front headlock because these these situations come up a lot where it's like they, you know, you're they're staying really low, resting out of a three point stance to get away from your leg attacks, and that's the counter is get good off front headlock. Get good setups from there. Chase go behind, uh, snap into angles. Oh, good, good little throw by there. Now he's on the legs. Go behind attempt from Delavecchia, but they're out of bounds. And there's a stalling warning, warning on Delavecchia, so that's one. So another one's going to be a point. Delavecchia's got to get on his own attacks, or he's going to get hit again pretty quick. Because now that they've hit him once, they're, they're looking at him for it. It's not like freestyle where they hand him out to both guys <laughs> kind of arbitrarily. It's very intentional in folk, which I like. I think they should do it more. I think they're not that generous enough with the stall calls, but we saw in that 133-pound match that they, they hit RBY with stalling for no reason. <laughs> they hit him twice within 30 seconds, which didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, Delavecchia tying up the hands and wrists and fingers there. Oh, he gets to his own leg attack. He gets a swing single there, and wizard by Carr. Hard to kick out with wrestling shoes on, but yeah, he stands right back up out of that. Wizard and wrist control, get your hips back, try to stand up, try to put weight down to, to break their grip with your leg. That's typically defense. In MMA, it's so easy to, to, to turn and limp leg out because you got no shoes on. But here, like the it's it's very tough to slip out of those positions. And you could get caught in a bad situation, so you don't want to try to do that exclusively. Much more basic defense. So I think Carr took bottom here. He had choice. Delavecchi comes on the waist and puts a half in right away. He's very tough on top, as I said. Let's see if we see another riding time situation. So he's using that half to break down Carr's posture and using that tight waist to make sure he can't circle out. He's riding that, that left side of his hips. And if Carr shifts his weight, he'll move over to the right side of his hips. Carr's up, trying to peel those hands, and Delavecchi's going to try to force an out-of-bounds situation. He's just pull him out-of-bounds. And uh, Carr almost reversed him, but they uh, called it dead out of bounds, so he's going to get a restart here. So it's good for both of them to get the restart. Delavecchia can try to establish a, a more stable position, and Carr can try to explode up into a, an escape quickly. There we go. Carr's his feet, and uh, Delavecchia drags him down, but uh, nice, nice hip heist to get, get his hips back there from David Carr. Gets the escape, only 38 seconds of riding time from Delavecchia, so riding time not a factor. And he's probably going to take bottom in the third period if it comes to that. He's got a minute to work here from Carr. I think if you're Carr, you definitely want to take down here. You don't want to leave it close because uh, Delavecchia has been on the legs once and you've been on the legs zero times. That length has definitely been an issue for him. Oh, there's a double attempt. Got the head underneath, trying to sit him to his hip, and he's got the double there. And there's a leg pass attempt from Delavecchia, but they're calling it. They're calling two because the uh, car has control of both of the legs and the other cross face. But despite despite uh, Delavecchia hanging on the leg, they're still calling two, and they've been better with that. Uh, you know, Askren definitely changed in the meta, making that more common as a defense. But the refs are wise to it. The wrestlers are wise to it now. It's it's less common than it was a few years ago to rely on that as, as your defense. I see a nice mat return attempt here from Carr, and no surprise, Delavecchia Grambys, but Carr follows him with his hips, reestablishes his grips, he's pulling that wrist out so he can't post. 
switching to the half to claw ride now. Tight waist and claw. Just try to lift and return for the mat return. Uh, locking hands. You cannot lock your hands once you're on the mat if you're the man who is in control. So get a takedown or if you're riding, once you hit the mat, you have to not lock your hands. You can like grab onto other parts. You can lock up control in different ways, but you can't physically lock your hands. You can lock your hands standing, even if you already have control. That's what we're seeing from Carr there. You know, different type of types of rise have to pop that to their feet to try to get something tight. Breaks him down on his elbow there. Got tight waist and elbow control. He's right out of the period. So nice, nice stable lead for David Carr. Up 3-0. Riding time, not a factor. Delavecchi is probably going to take bottom, try to get his own point. So Delavecchi is going to need a takedown. But now timing becomes, becomes a factor. So let's say Delavecchi gets up quick. needs two takedowns because if he gets one takedown early, Carr can get up. So if Carr gets up, then it's 4-3. Car's got the lead. If you get the takedown near the end of the period and you ride out, it's tied and it goes to overtime. Or you take him down early, he gets up and you have to take him down again. I think taking down David Carr twice is a very tough proposition. So he's probably going to be looking to, to wait a little bit, get his takedown later, and try to ride out the period and go into overtime. Because uh, sudden victory doesn't really favor him, but overtime ride outs definitely favors Del Vecchio. So if he can get it there, he has actually a real chance at winning. This car still got this 3-0 lead. And if he rides for 34 more seconds, he'll have riding time. So that'll really change the, the dynamic here. So the more time he, he kills right now on top, the better. Going inside, then outside in that arm to break down that post. But Delavecchi gets back up. Car tries to step outside and pop his hips with their turn. Delavecchi fighting hands hard. Looks like he's going to get up here. Uh, turns and gets that wizard car on the leg, and they're stalling on stalling on car because he didn't return him yet. He doubles to return, still got control, so only 10 more seconds of riding needed for riding time. And Delavecchia's corner is challenging. They could be challenging for two things they could be challenging that Delavecchia had an escape, or they could be challenging the car locked hands. So, locked hands would be a, a technical violation, it would be one point for Delavecchia. So we'll see what they're challenging here. I think they're saying locked hands. I see the rider coach in the bottom right there, and he was <laughs> locking his hands. That's my guess. Wish they would show us. Show us through a view. Yep. Challenging the David Carr locked hands. I assume he did. Very seldom do they challenge for locked hands and not get it. Usually the coach sees it and they challenge it and they get it. So they look at the tape and they can conclusively say whether or not they locked hands. It's usually pretty straightforward. And they, uh, they watch it a bunch of times to figure it out. <laughs> make sure conclusively before they make a call. But I assume he's going to get this. So what does it change? Not all that much because I think Carr is going to get riding time. And then Delavecchia might escape. But then it'll still be 3-1 with riding time. So still a three-point advantage for Carr. So it actually doesn't change all that much. Um, so Carr just needs to ride for seven seconds here. And that'll 
put him in a very good position to win the match. Yep, and that return, that little breakdown, that breakdown of the post, that was huge because now he has riding time. So even if Delavecchi gets up, it'll be essentially 4-1. Delavecchi will need a takedown and a ride out. As Carr builds more riding time, it's going to be harder and harder for that to be possible because once that those times, that, that building 25 on Carr's riding time and the ticking down clock 38, once those match up, riding time will be locked. So tell that needs to get up now or reverse. You can fish for a reversal at this point, but that's, you know, makes it less likely they're going to get up. See, now riding time is locked. So Del Vecchia cannot erase riding time, and he basically cannot win. <laughs> so David Carr has, has this match locked up. He tries to roll across his back, Granby there, and Carr just stuffs it. And he had 10 seconds left on the clock. This is looking like a, a 4-0 win for David Carr. Big ride out in the third period to, uh, to get that done. So full skill set on display there from David Carr, and he celebrates uh, first national title. He does a cartwheel. His coach doubles him. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Good performance there from Carr against a dangerous underdog. There's Kevin Dresser in the corner. Kevin Dresser was the head coach at Virginia Tech for a while. And took over Iowa State, doing pretty well with the program so far. Did a great job with Virginia Tech. First NCAA title for Iowa State since 2015, Kevin Gadsden. Very nice. Yes, that was a David Carr's second year of eligibility. He's a redshirt sophomore. This year doesn't count, so he will have uh, three more years to win titles if he likes. So he could be a four-time national champion, theoretically. I'm going to take a little break before 165. All right, 165 pounds. It's Jake Wenzel from the University of Pittsburgh versus Shane Griffith from Stanford. Griffith, Griffith's a New Jersey guy. Wenzel's a Western Pennsylvania guy, born and raised. Uh, two, two Rust Belt prospects. Uh, Wenzel had a breakout year at the end of last season, beat uh, Kennedy Monday, Kennedy Monday rather. And David McFadden, two very highly regarded guys, and the tournament didn't happen. This year, he knocked off the returning national champion, Makai Lewis, and actually effectively ended his season with an injury, uh, but was already beating him on the way to that. And uh, he's looked very good. Uh, had a really close match in, in, in his first match of the tournament. Arguably lost it. Uh, had uh, a 1-0 lead, and his opponent was in on a takedown at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the third period. And uh, they called the takedown when time was running out. And they reviewed it, and the takedown was called too late, and time was out, and it didn't count. So he won 1 0, but they could have called the takedown sooner. So a lot of people think he lost that match. Uh, but then he beat up uh, Peyton Robb from Nebraska, who's very tough, beat him up real bad. Uh, and then he beat up uh, Keegan O'Toole, who's very tough uh, from Missouri. And that's a Ben Askren, ben Askren trained guy, and he took fourth, I believe, afterwards. So a very tough guy. And then he beat who did he beat in the semis? I don't remember. He beat Ethan Smith from Ohio State in the semis. He took uh, fifth. So two very tough guys. He got good wins over. Wenzel's a top player. His his riding is some of the best in college. Uh, he's one of the strongest guys in the NCAA. Very tough on top. On his feet, he's good with underhooks and body locks, but he doesn't like to score a lot there. Not a very dynamic attacker on his feet. Doesn't shoot a lot of singles or anything like that. Mostly just likes his solid underhooks. Um, has good reattacks to the single, so you can't just you know, shoot willy nilly on him. But sometimes he'll let you get to his legs, 
So he can try to scramble and, and expose you off of that, or like catch cradles like he did a Kikano tool. But uh, against Shane Griffith, I think he's just wrestle smart. Keep it conservative on the feet. You know, if you can get to the legs, get to the legs. Otherwise, try to work on top. And uh, you got to assume Shane Griffith is not going to take bottom because you, you do not want Jake Wentz on top of you. Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh's two, first time with two NCAA finals since 1963. Uh, Shane Griffith is from Stanford who cut their program. This is Stanford, Stanford's last year with a wrestling program, uh, which is a huge deal because they have a large endowment and didn't make any sense for them to cut the program. So uh, Stanford really showed out this year. Griffith uh, upset the number one seed, Alex Marinelli, in the quarterfinals and then beat Zach Hartman from Bucknell in the semifinals. Um, so he's on a great run, very inspirational story. It's the eight seed versus the three seed. Bottom side of the bracket fell apart. Anthony Valencia got injured against Ethan Smith. Lost that match. Oh, Pitts were in the gray singlets, I think. But, yeah, I am a huge homer. I went to Pitt. Uh, I I know Jake Wenzel. One of my best friends is, uh, is friends with Jake Wenzel. Um, very close friends with him, in fact. So I'm going to be rooting for him hard here. Bias fully on display. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to be biased. Uh, I really want Jake Wenzel to win. I want Pitt to get a title. It hasn't had titles since 2008, and it would be a huge deal. And uh, Wenzel has another year of eligibility after this that he's going to use, but I'd like to. And uh, this is probably not public information, but Wenzel does intend on doing MMA after his wrestling career is over, so get used to seeing him around. He's going to be very, very tough. Um, I don't know much about the way Shane Griffith wrestles. I know he's well-rounded and, and skilled, and uh, he got some, some key takedowns to win his matches, but I'm rooting hard. I'm rooting hard for Jake Wentzel. I really hope he pulls this off. I think he's going to need a takedown because um, I don't think Griffith's going to take bottom against him. I don't think he should use his choice to take top. You got to take a point and you can get it. So I'm expecting a low scoring, low action first period. And then for things to get interesting uh, once there's choice involved. <sighs> Nervous, man. Very nervous. This is the match I'm most looking forward to. Uh, yeah, because Wenzel is a pretty big underdog making it to this point, despite the three seed. Um, people did not believe in him. They believed in Kai Lewis matches a fluke and that he did not have what it takes to contend for a title. I got some heat for that take that I said he was a title contender when that match happened, but slowly but surely people have caught him around and here he is contending for a title. So he is a title contender. Uh, I'm also very nervous for the 197 match with Nino Bonacorsi, the other pit wrestler. He's wrestling AJ Ferrari. That's going to be insane. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> this one, this one means more to me. And uh, Wenzel was a two-time state champion in a double A in Pennsylvania, which is smaller schools, but still a very good uh, pedigree. And uh, his skill set has, has evolved. He's become much more solid on his feet, much less scramble reliant, and even, even deadlier on top. So his rides are, are fairly unconventional. He, uh, he's very comfortable in some tricky positions that you think he might get reversed in. Uh, but he's very tough on top. So Griffith will have to be careful to end up in those positions, but I would love to see him score early. I think that would be huge if he get an early takedown sometime in the first period. Uh, so he didn't have to uh, have another nightmare tiebreaker, <laughs> like, you know, walk a tightrope trying to win by one point type of match. Uh, everyone's rooting for Griffith because of Stanford and, and the story there, but uh, Wenzel's my guy. So I'm backing him. So here we go. Match starts once he'll stand low, digging that underhook like he does. He's going to try to stall out from this position or try to you know, throw him by and into a body lock position. He's very strong. Uh, Griffith's a sophomore, so usually younger wrestlers aren't quite as physically powerful, but we'll see what happens here. Obviously, he made the finals, so he's a good athlete. Um, 
Also really digging in with that. He doesn't have good head position. He's got double unders and he's jacked him up. Oh, he throws him over. They go out of bounds. Whew. That's a good sign for him. Good sign for him. And they hit Griffith with stalling. He went out of bounds to avoid the body locks. So that's big too. That's big too. So if Wenzel can keep getting him into those out of bounds positions, they might hit him for stalling again. If he needs to go out of bounds to avoid that offense, that could be a big deal. So Griffith's trying to tie up that wrist so he can't dig it, but basically come out in that low stance and driving up into the underhooks. That's how Wenzel goes. Uh, Griffith's got two on one here, trying to reach across the, across the lat, get an angle on the back. Wenzel's going to post on the head there. Got that knee behind Griffith's knee. That's important. That's keeping him from getting a big angle on him. We'll see what happens here. I think they'll probably call this position dead soon if nothing happens in the next few seconds. There's a Merkel attempt from Griffith that could be dangerous. They call that. They call that too. And Wenzel Granby's up to his feet. And uh, they're going to retain control for Griffith. So Wenzel got scored on early by Keegan O'Toole. He got scored on early by Ethan Smith. So <laughs> this is not new for him. Uh, definitely capable of wrestling back after giving up points early. Especially if he gets a reversal here. If he can get a reversal here. That'd be a huge deal because that would be top position, but he escapes. So he's got that one stall call on Griffith. Maybe try to turn that into points. But Griffith definitely did well there with that two-on-one, so Wenzel has to be careful with reaching straight out and giving up his wrists because Griffith looks good in that position. So if you're Griffith, do you just try to hit that same thing again, try to score again? Because I feel like you can't rely on that. So he's on the ankle there, and there's Wenzel. Body locking over and he's locking through the crotch. This is what this is how he wrestles. Um, this is how every match looks. So uh, it's just a matter of will will his style work against this particular opponent. It's, it makes me nervous every time. Sitting through and try to put him in a and on his own back, not to get exposure necessarily, but to change the position. But they might just stalemate this honestly if he can't control that other ankle. Muscle is very strong here. Be tough to break that. So they call that dead. Pretty good for Wenzel. If he gets out of this period, just 2 1, I think that's a pretty good place to be. Because if he takes bottom, he gets a point. And if Griffith doesn't take bottom, then uh, it's probably going to be tied. There's no more takedowns. So couldn't score on the leg there. Did score on that uh, a 2 1 1 to reach across the lap. But now Wenzel's going to be a little bit more wise to it. Should be harder to hit it. He hit it pretty slow, so you can see Griffith tries to get to it more explosively, and he's got a front headlock. Reaching across, blocking the hit, but that reaching across gave him that two-on-one again, so we'll see if he tries to hit that same move. Like I said, Wenzel's going to be a little more aware of it, so that should help. That's a good counter to, to stop someone who's got a heavy underhook game, and Wenzel's already pummeling that arm out, so a little safer, but still got that overhook across. It's going to let the time go. So 2-1 at the end of the first period for Shane Griffith. Really good start for Griffith, so now he doesn't need to uh, rely on getting an escape point. But if Wenzel gets his escape point, then you've got a tight match. And if Wenzel you know, tries to Granby or sit back or, or create some sort of scramble where he can get a reversal, that could be a big deal as well. Griffith trying to ride, Wenzel up to his feet, covers front headlock, escapes already. If he can turn this into, into top position, that would be huge for him. Yeah, Pitt's last finalist in 2015. It came down to the final few seconds of the match, and the locked hands call lost it for Whip. So, oh, got double underhooks again. Let's see if uh, Griffith is back straight out, because that'll be a stall call. It's going to be a stall call here. Oh, come on. <laughs> back straight out to avoid the underhooks. He called it the first time. 
inconsistent officiating. But that's that's good for Wenzel to get that position again. So we'll see if uh, he can get there again. But Wenzel <laughs> Griffith's going to be really tight on that wrist on that two on one. See if he reaches across the lat again, but got to be careful reaching up and over. Could give up a strong tie for Wenzel. I'm very interested to see what uh, what Griffith does in the third period. A good flexing out of that leg attack on his hips back. Whew. Tight, tight match. I'm nervous, man. I assume Griffith's going to take neutral in the third. It's going to be tied still if no more takedowns happen. Uh, overtime would be very good for Wenzel because they'll go to ride outs if there's no sudden victory takedown. But, you know, you, don't, you shouldn't trust people to not get to his legs. So sudden victory could be scary because I do think Griffith can get to his legs again. But yeah, like I said, Wenzel's good at uh, staving off of people from scoring. Uh, underhook off that shot. Nice for him. Let's see if he can get that second underhook. That'll be big with short time left on the clock. I'm really looking for that other stall call here. <laughs> they're, they're both stalling on their feet, but just that out-of-bounds stall rule. All right, so now Griffith's backing straight up. He's pressing in there to avoid that call. That's very smart from Griffith. Oh, outside trip. I don't think they're going to call it. Yeah. Griffith wasn't stalling there. So you see how the, the rule can be a little bit different. You know, Griffith very clearly wasn't backing straight out, so less likely to call it stalling there. Whew. Tight, tight match. And Wenzel controlling it with an overhook now. Kind of prevent Griffith from getting to those ties he likes. Last 10 seconds. Don't think anyone's going to score a short time here. Wenzel peeling that hand off. All right, so here's the big decision time. Do you try to get a point? Put yourself in the lead. It's going neutral. <laughs> smart. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> Do not want Wenzel on top of you. So Griffith will need to take down to win here. And I think that's his goal. I think he's going to try to get a takedown. But Wenzel's been getting those underhook positions off of Griffith's shots. That's another factor he has here. He has to be very smart. He can't spam those attacks. He has to get a clean shot in the legs. Wenzel's been good tying him up. Oh, there's the legs. And they're stalling on Wenzel as well. So Wenzel's got to be careful. He's got to create his own action here. And he can't completely just work to stalemate these positions. So he's sitting on his hip. He's got Griffith on his own hip. Griffith's trying to get height, trying to reach through. Gets elevation here. It's good for Wenzel. Try to step over that, uh, that right leg of, of Griffith. Working back up. Yeah, so he's got the, uh, the arm trap there. Trying to hang on to that that far ankle. They might call two here. They might call two here. They're calling two. So Wenzel's got to make something happen real quick. And they're they got to call this position dead. Yeah, call the position dead. So 57 seconds left on the clock. Wenzel needs escape tape down or reversal right out to win this match. Match very well wrestled by Shane Griffith so far. Uh, his game plan was excellent. And Wenzel's, you know, his offense is limited, so he, he has to wrestle a very specific kind of match to win a lot of the time against high-level opponents. So we'll see if he, what he's looking for here, and that's good ride from Griffith so far. And you have Wenzel escaped very quickly in this beginning of the second period. And he's getting close to riding time, and Wenzel needs more than just an escape. So uh, Griffith using his head as a lever in that shoulder, and he got broken down again there. Good ride from Griffith. He might win this on a rideout, honestly. He might get that riding time point, and it might all be... Now, if, if Wenzel reverses, a little bit of a different story because he can take that riding time back off. They're in scramble situation here. 
and he just gave that, that position up. Now he's on his back. Uh, he's, he's not winning this match. They're uh, throwing the brick. Pit corner's throwing the brick, and I don't know what for. Um, but it's, it's too late to challenge, I believe. I think, uh, I think Griffith's got this. So Stanford cutting their program, and they have a national champion. They have a national champion, and they're getting rid of their wrestling program. And they had one more All-American than him, I believe. So 6-2 win for Shane Griffith. I don't know what pit challenge. I don't really see anything to challenge. And I don't think it would work for a win. Uh, Wenzel's gutted. He's very upset. Um, I think his knee is injured. But, yeah, that's the way he wrestles. That's the risk of the way he wrestles. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Shane Griffith. He's going to have a lot of options about where he gets to wrestle for the rest of his career. Um, he knocked off the number one guy on the way here. Uh, Wenzel also knocked off the number one guy previously, but different number one guy at this point. Also injured him. Uh, Alex Marinelli defaulted out of the competition after Shane Griffith beat him. So, uh, tough match, tough match, but uh, Griffith earned that for sure. Wrestled super smart. Um, so can't hold it against him. I'm not sure what they're challenging. I guess I'll stick around to find out. <laughs> I'm not super bummed. That's a really, really good performance for Wenzel to get to the finals. Uh, a lot of people didn't have him as an All-American you know, before this. So, uh, you know, it's okay. I'm all right. No problem. Yeah, very, very smart performance. Oh my God, I have like 100, 100 DMs. <sighs> I'm a little sad. And Wenzel seems to be a little banged up, but you know, he's got another year of eligibility. That was a really, really good performance out of him to get this far. Uh, still great stuff from Pitt. And we still have one more chance for a national champion. So see what happens at 197. Uh, his knee seems to be really hurt. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're challenging. They threw the brick. So let's say they're challenging locked hands or something like that, because they threw the brick with, you know, at least 30 seconds left. Do you give the point and then roll the clock back? I, I haven't seen that happen very often. I don't know if I've seen that happen at all, actually. So I'm not sure what they could be challenging that would even make it possible for them to win the match, considering how it ended. Typically, if you're challenging something to take it back, it takes away the things that happened after. But I can't, I can't imagine that they're going to win a challenge here. And Wenzel doesn't look like he's in any condition to keep wrestling. Clutching his knee. It's one, one downside of not having my sound on is I have no... Uh, no idea what's being discussed. <clears throat> so it turns out that early takedown from uh, from Griffith off the two one one was the decider for sure. Getting that early takedown, I, I think you know Wenzel came out hard for his own takedown off double unders early. Griffith back right out. He could eat that stall call and a very very smart smart wrestling from Griffith, as you would expect from Stanford. <laughs> You can see their sweatshirts keep Stanford wrestling. Uh, maybe they'll keep the program. Maybe you can save it because they have a chant, but uh, I doubt it. That school doesn't care about wrestling. If they cared about wrestling, they wouldn't cut it in the first place because the team's not bad. They didn't cut it because the team is bad. 
I'm not exactly sure why they cut it. Actually, I don't understand the politics of that. But regardless, Griffith's going to have a ton of options about where he gets to go next year. Um, returning national champions, a free agent. Yeah, their uh, challenge didn't work, whatever it was. Uh, so Griffith's going to be the national champion. Uh, very well done. We're going to come back for 174 in a second. That's going to be a, a very interesting match with uh, two Pennsylvanians in that match. All right, we're back for 174. Two PA guys, Michael Kemmer, wrestling for the University of Iowa. There's Carter Starachi from Penn State University. Uh, very excited for this one. Kemmer has looked unstoppable, really, at 174. After bumping up from 157, he uh, defeated Mark Hall at uh, Carver Hockey Arena a couple of years ago. That was a big win for him. And uh, Starachi has been wrestling real well. Knocked off some tough guys to make the finals. Another Pennsylvania, Mike Labriola, uh, was in contention as well. He ended up taking third. So he has a, pro- a heavily favored champ for uh, for Iowa, but you know Penn State been wrestling really well in these finals. Two champs already. This is their uh, third out of four chances for for a champ. So we'll see how they do. Uh, Carter Starachi is from Erie, Pennsylvania, I believe. Mike Kemmer is from Franklin Regional, outside of Pittsburgh. Um, it's two Western Pennsylvania guys. That is by far toughest part of the country for wrestling. Wenzel's also from that area, uh, South Park. Uh, so. I think Pennsylvania has 17 All-Americans this year, the most of any state <laughs> in the country. Second highest was Illinois this year with seven. So Pennsylvania, far and away, the most dominant state for wrestling. And obviously in college, too, they have Penn State, the most dominant program, Pitt, which ends up being a very good program. And they have a few other programs that contend and, and do well. Um, so PA supremacy continues. But uh, they got a, New Jersey got a champ right there, 165. They're tough as well. Ohio is usually tough, but they're not doing so well this year. (laughs) They're thanking the troops for their service, I believe. Not sure how the troops came into this match in particular, but thank them. Anyway, it might be a sponsor. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, the U.S. Open was sponsored by the Marine Corps a couple times. Let's get these wrestlers out here. Let's watch another match. So I can erase the last match from my mind. Listen, if Pitt doesn't get either champ, I'm cool with it because those are tough matches and they overperformed to get to the finals in the first place, honestly. But I want I want one. <laughs> It'd be great for the program. Getting two finals is great for the program as well. And that match with Griffith was very close until the end there. So I was too upset, but I'm more upset that now everyone's messaging me and trying to bring it up to me. Like, oh, your guy lost. Like, leave me alone. Why would you do that? Do you hate me? Do you want me to be sad? It's not, not cool. Recording a commentary, do you want me to be sad in front of all the people? In front of all the Fight Site fans? Anyway, not sure what's taking so long to get this match started. I should have taken a longer break. It's going to fill some airtime. Camera was at 149 as a red shirt. And uh, bumped it to 57 for two years. For Iowa, was an All-American both years. Uh, top uh, top five, I believe. And yeah, 174, I believe he got injured and didn't wrestle at Nationals his first try, or he placed top three. I'm not sure. Um, this is basically his first, not even full year, but his first year healthy, making a run, being the number one guy. Should be interesting. And uh, Starachi could make some magic happen. He's a freshman. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a redshirt or true freshman. I think it's redshirt freshman, uh, meaning he took an unattached year before this. 
And uh, he took a loss to uh, DJ Washington from Indiana, I believe, earlier in the season. Upset loss. It happens to freshmen all the time, like a prospect loss in MMA or any other sport. Uh, but Penn State has had freshmen who take losses, who win titles before. It happens all the time in wrestling. So doesn't mean much that he has a loss. I'm expecting, I'm expecting a competitive matchup. I believe they're showing people in the crowd, so I don't know if they're about to get this match rolling. So when, when we return, it will be the match starting, because I do not want to see how long this takes. <laughs> okay, we're packed for 174. There was a bit of an intermission there. I regret nothing. <laughs> we're here for the match. Uh, still getting bullied on Twitter about Jake Wenzel. People are very cruel, man. Don't do me like that. If you're listening to this, this commentary, better be nice to me. Those are the rules. Kemmer rubbing his hands together. He looks big at 174. That's the crazy part. Doesn't look like a guy that bumped up two ways, and he wasn't all that lanky at 157 either. Uh, you know, tough to win the title at 157 when Jason Nolf's there. Uh, now he's bumped up. He's the he's the man. He's the main guy. Uh, Zahid Valencia, Mark Hall were also at 174 when he bumped up there, so not having those guys around is definitely helpful. Let's see if another Penn State guy can get in his way. And he is a volume shooter. Takes a lot of attacks, especially for an upper weight. Starachi, uh, a, little, a little more methodical, I would say. Very talented, very good on his feet. And as a Pennsylvanian, good on the mat as well. I don't know his game specifics too much. I haven't watched a lot of them. Camera shoots a lot of high crotches. I know that. <laughs> Typical Iowa style. Heavy on the collar. Heavy on the overtie. A lot of elbow passing. See him reaching for that elbow. Just throw that by and shoot the high crotch across the other side. Snap downs there. A lot of level fakes. He's coming hard. A lot of pressure here. Starach is probably going to have to shoot to get him off his back, honestly. He's going to have to... Uh, Give him something to think about so you can't just press him this hard because you're going to wear down working off the back foot that much. Unless you can slow this down or, or control those ties a little better or get to the legs yourself. That's a big guy hanging on you. And it's a you know, freshman versus, you know, I don't know if he's technically a senior, but he, he's been in college for four years at least. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big difference in maturity physically and experience and, you know, the, Composure and the gamesmanship, it, it takes time to develop all that. You know, winning in college is, is its own skill set. Aside from all the wrestling tools and, and the conditioning and strike all oh, big outside shot from camera there. No setup really, just kind of dove on the hips, just trying to make something happen. Yeah, it, benef it benefits him just to get it going. And if Staraji reattacks and gets to his legs, at least they're wrestling. So he's, he's happy about it. So. You know, we've seen a few matches where it benefits one guy to force action and, and try to make things happen. So should be no surprise there. They have not always taken perfect shots. Very different than MMA, where if you get put in a bad position, uh, things can be very different. So there's Starachi on the leg, but oh, Kember, little heavy hips, hips into him. Oh, he's chasing that far ankle, broke his base down. Now he's trying to break that grip and step behind, steps over that leg. Oh, he's got him set up for a cradle here and crunched up. It looks like go behind, but now Starashi's got that leg across his body. He can still finish this. Kimura draping over the top now. Got a little greedy. They're not calling anything here, I don't think, yet. Oh, he's reaching across the other leg. He's stepping over. Stepping over. Oh, didn't get that. He might stalemate this. It's been a while. 
yeah, there's a whistle. It's a good shot by Starachi. Almost was in a ton of trouble. I think Cameron got a little greedy trying to crunch him up with the cradle instead of chasing that go behind. I think if that situation occurred again, he would get the go behind knowing what he knows now. See if Starachi takes another shot because, you know, I think it's a one takedown match for him to win. Chris Kemmer wants to put a pace on him and, and score a lot. Not that it's important for the team race necessarily, just uh, that's how he wrestles. He's not used to taking it easy. <laughs> that's the first period. It went fast. And uh, Red gets choice. That's Kemmer. He deferred, and I think Starachi took bottom. Starachi confident he can get up. There's no huge like mat wrestling disparity here, but Kemmer can definitely ride him, so we'll see what happens here. Starachi up. Oh, yeah, nice, nice heavy pressure on one side by Kemmer sitting on that leg. Looks like Starachi can get out here. Yep. Separates the hands, and oh, Kemmer's still on the leg. No, no escape yet. They're going to call that stalling, hanging on the ankle, and he's going to give up before he gives this tall call. So there's an escape for Starachi. No ride for Kemmer. So if you're below the, the knee, on your ride, they, they start a five count. And if you're still on it, at the end of the five count, it's stalling. So you have to be working certain ways to, to ride for it not to be considered stalling. Strachy, not a small 174 either. So the, the senior versus freshman thing doesn't really uh, come into play too much there. Camera hanging heavy on the head there. Strachy playing well off the back foot. Now he's, he's got a camera's back to the edge now. Working back to the center. So we'll see if Strachy shoots again anytime soon. He's got the lead now. I assume that camera will take bottom of the third. Uh, so definitely someone's going to have to score, but see what happens. Camera is much more likely to take attacks, but uh, Starachi's defense is really good also. He tries to shoot. Off camera looking to cover that front headlock off the snap down. Kemmer getting underhooks off of it. Made it stand straight up into that situation. But let's see what Kemmer can do with those underhooks. He's going to back out. He doesn't like those positions. That's not really how he wrestles. Back into the collar ties. A lot of fakes here. Oh, uh, yeah. To ward off the pressure, Starachi shoots that single. Kemmer got the wizard going, attacking the wrist, creating a big angle there. Starachi going to try to Pull the head down, try to get a cradle here. He's got his, can't see his hands. Just going to go behind off that. Oh, good recovery by Kemmer. He's got the underhook there. Good recovery. And time runs out. No takedown. Big scramble. Big scramble. Starachi can go with him in pretty much every position. If that Penn State Magic, man, they really peak for nationals, as you should. As you should, peaking is definitely a very important thing. And you wrestle a long season, too. It's hard to, you know, take your breaks when you need it and, you know, not go all out every match and, you know, tend to injuries and maybe not start in a match when you don't need to. It's been a shorter season, so I think peaking is easier. Um, Penn State just didn't really have the firepower to, uh, to make a title run here. Iowa too good, too stacked. But they're, they're in this match. Could definitely get another champ here, although I really I would like to see Camera win it. It's just uh, he's, he's been right there. Had some really tough guys ahead of him. It would suck to see him get knocked off by a freshman, so hoping he gets out here and uh, get a takedown. 
right up his uh, camera. Stratch tried to cover the leg, but he's uh, he's out there. So those restarts are big for you, especially if you're getting bogged down in one specific riding position. If, uh, if they're not progressing, they'll stalemate it. They'll restart you in referees, and you can get another chance to explode up into your onto your feet and peel the hands off. Camera looking a little sluggish, but that's just kind of how he looks. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Starachi on his legs again, just because his feet are a little planted. And he's definitely walking forward, so he knows where he's going to be. It's going to be hard to get through those hands uh, of Camera, but you got some space. But again, remember that first period, how close Camera was. Oh, yeah, stuffs him with the, the head and the underhooks there. Uh, remember how close Camera was scoring off of Starachi's shot. So you got to be careful with your own attacks. So we'll see if Camera gets in the legs again, but this could go to sudden victory. I'm not really sure who rideouts favor. Typically, you know, overtime favors the person with better conditioning, but in the national finals, that's who knows who that is. These guys are elite. No huge weaknesses. Oh, chases that shot. <laughs> while while Starach is moving away, he's up to the underhook. I don't think Stong's been called on anyone yet. Um, it's going to be called on someone. I can't really say who because Siraja took a bunch of shots in the second period. Kemmer has taken a good amount in, in every period so far. Don't think Stalin's really warranted. Typically, when someone's pressuring it hard, they, they weigh moments, you know, you chunks of time, it's like a minute. If someone's doing everything, they might call Stalin then, but they don't, they don't typically take the full match into consideration at that point. So they're going to go to overtime here. So one minute of sudden victory, first point wins. Stalling not a factor. Uh, so like a penalty point or a takedown. Could end it here. I think Starachi's going to try to win it here. He doesn't want to go ride outs with a more experienced wrestler. That's just my theory. Yep, and he's in on a double. He's got that double. Kimber's got chest lock. He's got the wizard. Hips are almost out. He's, he's got that. Starachi wins the title, man, with sudden victory. Just like, just like their other matches. Penn State wins in sudden victory. There's another title for Penn State. They're three for three. Wow. Wow. I'm a little bummed, but that, that, was, that was very impressive. He, uh, he managed that match very well. They're good at winning, man. They're good at winning. Penn State upperweights, they're always going to have a secret weapon because they wrestle with Kale Sanderson in the room. Kale still wrestles with them. <laughs> Got a really good training partner. That's elite-level stuff. Uh, Tom Brands run off the mat to uh, to catch camera. He's he's real upset, obviously. Um, he could have another year of eligibility if he wants it, because this year doesn't count as a year burned. But at that point, you just might want to be done. Honestly, had four shots at it, couldn't get it done. There's a David Carr congratulating Carter Starachi. <laughs> another freshman national champ for Penn State. Another one. They get these a lot. They're good. They're good. I'm going to take a break, and then when we come back, it's going to be 184. Interesting matchup between Trent Hively from NC State and uh, Aaron Brooks from Penn State. So another big Penn State guy coming up next match. Uh, and that's Kale's weight, 184. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. 184. Got Aaron Brooks from Penn State taking on Trent Hively from NC State. Uh, Aaron Brooks, I believe, was either junior world silver or cadet world champ. I don't remember. He, he has age group freestyle world credentials. Um, came in as like a late replacement and, and won uh, one big and made a medal match. Uh, and he's been good for Penn State so far. 
uh, was was set up to be an All-American as a freshman as freshman last year, but obviously NCAA's got canceled. Uh, but you know, looking good this year, got the number one seed at the tournament, won Big Tens. Uh, Trent Hidley has one loss this year to Hunter Bowling, which he avenged at ACCs. Uh, in the offseason in freestyle, he beat Miles Amin, who uh, placed third this year at 197 and fifth at the Worlds in 2019. And he's ranked in the world, Miles Amin. Is. So Trent Hidley could be a, a senior level guy who, who makes an impact, as could Aaron Brooks. So uh, a lot of implications about this match. Uh, obviously, I really want NC State to get, to get a champ uh, because they're an ACC team. And uh, Trent Hidley's from Pennsylvania. Aaron Brooks is from somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember where. Uh, and Penn State's been three for three so far, and they, <laughs> the Magic's got to run out eventually, right? Uh, yeah, Trent Hadley's the hoagie boy. Uh, if you ever seen he, uh, he won a uh, who's number one match in high school, and uh, after he won, he won sudden victory off a takedown. His brother threw him a hoagie, uh, a, a sub for some of you. Um, he ate it right there, and uh, he, got, he got the nickname hoagie boy. So the man loves hoagies. That's all, all, all I can say. But Hadley really loves uh, underhooks. Big underhook game. Uh, he's got leg attacks. But he likes to slow the, slow things down from underhooks. You know, get some throw bys going, get to the legs. Uh, you maybe jack up double unders and try to take people over. But you know, very upper body oriented style. Brooks wrestles like the past like five PSU <laughs> guys that we've watched. Uh, they wrestle similar styles, but you know, I would say Brooks is more freestyle ready. Just based on his style, but Hadley's got the results. Um, domestically so far so we'll see who ends up being better in the off season uh in the postseason unless we switch to freestyle the olympic trials are in two weeks so ncaa champions automatically qualify for the olympic trials um anyone else is going to have to go to the last chance qualifier which is next week if they haven't qualified already so we'll see what happens here and uh brooks staying real low highly able to snap him down see if highly can snap him down and jump up into those underhooks See how he gets there. Real heavy on the head. And Penn State known for those snapdowns, too. Uh, obviously, when you have Kale Sanderson as your coach, you get real good on the head. That's how he sets up all his ankle picks. Already a very, very physical match already. Very, very strong snaps here. Sixth NCAA finals for uh, NC State under Pat Papalizio. Very nice. Yeah, NC State got very good very fast as soon as Pat Papalizio got there. Uh, Pat Papalizio wrestled at Oklahoma State. Wasn't particularly good there. Then uh, coached at Binghamton and uh, got them an All-American right away with Nick Wazdowski. Then uh, took the job at NC State and made them a, a top program immediately. Um, and not because he has like some you know, great pedigree, but he's just a good, good team manager. You know, brought on a good staff and... Uh, got guys to buy into a culture of, you know, doing the right things. It, it sounds simple. It sounds corny and cliche, but that, that, that's a lot of what it takes. Uh, it's consistency and uh, getting the right guys who will do the stuff you need them to do. And great recruiting as well. Yeah, he gets guys to believe in him and uh, they show up and it works. So it's, it's been building for sure. Oh, highly very good on the snaps here. Brooks is staying low, so we'll see what uh, what results. Usually someone's going to come up after you snap him down. That's when you can try to get to your underhooks. But... Or, you know, if you snap him hard enough, they're out of position, you can try to chase a go-behind, and if you don't get the go-behind, you can drop back down the leg and, and keep chaining off of that. Are we trying to dig those underhooks from outside? 
Brooks did have an injury at the Big Ten Championship. It was his ankle. But he uh, wrestled through that and won the match anyway, so I don't know if that's bothering him or not, but he could be wrestling slightly compromised here. But everyone, everyone's injured all the time. It's just like MMA, everyone. No one goes in 100% healthy. And wrestling's pretty brutal on your body, so uh, I don't expect anyone to not have injuries at this point. But just, you know, serious ones that could really impact your game. You know, Brooks is very mobile, so you're not being able to plant fully or, you know, be dynamic as much as he likes to be. Could be an issue, but, you know, guys wrestle fairly conservatively in the finals. They leave it down to a couple of key attacks. So I'm expecting a similar dynamic here. And, and uh, Hydley, when he's up against top-ranked guys, doesn't usually score a lot of points just because it's, it's hard to score this way. Against guys that you don't have, like, a huge physical advantage over or a huge technical advantage. He's great on top as well. Um, both of them are highly, maybe more, more scoring oriented on top, but we haven't seen anybody score on top besides the end of the, uh, the Griffith Wenzel match so far, I believe no back points for anyone yet. We're most likely to see that in the final match of the night, 125 pounds, Spencer Lee, probably going to score some back points. Uh, Gable Stevenson might also score some back points in the, uh, heavyweight match. So let's see. You know, this final two matches are definitely going to be very compelling because it's not so much about who's going to win. It's going to be about who scores more points. Uh, but, you know, upsets happen, so we'll see. The second period, Brooks takes down. Highly sagging off to one side, covering the hip. I can't see what he's doing with his left arm. Brooks going to fight those hands. Highly staying tough here. Locked his hands. Not breaking him down on the elbow. Very nice. Hey, you attack whatever that post is going to be. You have to bring them down on one side and make sure they can't post to stay high. He's going to bring him out of bounds. Oh, big reversal attempt there by Brooks. Caught him on his back, and they're going to call two. I leave two and one, probably. So, two point reversal for Brooks and a one point state for Hydley. It should be, but they might keep control there. Yeah, two and one. So, NC State's going to challenge that, I believe. No, Penn State's challenging for back points. Penn State thinks they have back points. So, we could see, <laughs> we could see back points for the first time here. Let's see what happens. They haven't been showing us the sequences on the replays, and this is supposed to be the, the command center uh, stream for NCAAs. They should be showing us everything that needs to be seen, but we haven't seen any of these replays yet for uh, the challenges, which is different than usual. Usually they show us what they're reviewing a lot. They show it over and over again, but we haven't seen it here. Uh, I would have to watch it again to, to know if he had near fall. It just really depends on when they call the two the reversal uh it's pretty arbitrary and subjective for when you decide that your opponent has control uh but yeah it would be based off when they think he had control and how long he was on his back after the fact but they said no no near fall there's no penalty really at this point for challenging you can just do it <laughs> in freestyle if you lose your challenge you give a point so that would be a big deal in freestyle but different rules here so Hadley got to be more aggressive now. He's down a point. Actually, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I said, if you get a reversal and the, your opponent escapes, it's the same difference as if you just escaped. It would be 1-0 versus 2-1. It's the, a one-point difference regardless. But it's a good look for Brooks. It's good momentum. That's why that, those back points have been so important. because That's a lead that would have been different if, besides an escape. 
you know, Hadley was riding him tough there, but I believe Brooks uh, Grambied, you know, headstand Grambied. I'd have to see it again. Hadley catches underhooks off that shot. He's going to press back in, not getting pushed out there. Not going to let him play the out-of-bounds stalling game. Yeah, that was that was big for Brooks for sure. And Brooks is going to be good on top, and I, I haven't seen Hadley get rode out or anything in recent memory, but Penn State's looked very good on top of this tournament, so as they usually do. We'll see if that becomes a factor in the next period because I think it's going to come down to the third period here, as it tends to in the national finals. And Brooks letting him back in and, and not go out of bounds, not necessarily because I think he intended to score, but he just didn't. I think it's posturing for the ref, just like, hey, we're still, I'm still wrestling. Because <laughs> you're looking to hold on to some sort of lead or go into overtime or, or, or what have you. So you just want to make sure you're not dinged for stalling because uh, that can really change a match. As you saw, they tried to steal that match from Roman Bravo Young at 133, giving him those stall calls for nothing. I was so focused on the match, I didn't even, I didn't think it was possible that would call him for stalling because he was being so active. But they did it. Good escape for Hydley. I don't think Brooks really saw riding him as an option there. So let's see if uh, Brooks comes after him here because I think Hydley doesn't really have a quick score in his arsenal as much where Brooks can really make a difference early with his leg attacks. Being a good leg attacker really, you know, can make a huge difference in a close match on the leg there, but they're out of bounds. Brooks really working the outer boundaries there. Yeah, highly someone that would benefit more from the early lead. It's going to be tougher for him to come back. He doesn't need to come back here necessarily, but he's going to have, you know, if there's no score, two minutes straight, you know, the overtime sudden victory period of, you know, resting on the feet. He looks better on top so far between the two. You know, he had a under 20 seconds of riding time, but it was decent. As the match gets on, getting 30 seconds of riding time becomes a little easier as guys get tired, but we'll see. We'll see. I think uh, Brooks definitely looks like he's the one pressuring. Oh, gets the legs there. Get a wizard and circle out by, by Hydley. Make sure he doesn't get tight, but that's it's still activity on his side, and Hydley hasn't taken a shot. So you wonder if they're going to start calling stalling on, on Hydley. That would be a big deal. Like if they call stalling before this period's over, that's one stall call, and then you have the full sudden victory period. But uh, Penn State has not relied on stalling calls and sudden victory. They have a three for three with sudden victory takedowns for titles at this point. So that seems to be the game plan. <laughs> one takedown to win and a little shot there. Oh, big, big uh, duck into the single leg there from Hyde. It's the leg up and tries to chase that as Brooks goes out of bounds. He's going to get height and bring him back in. Pull him back in by the ankle. Yeah, and cover. Cover for two. Not going to give him that. Go out of bounds. But that that's good. So no stall call. And uh, NC State's challenging that he had to take down. I'm not so sure he had anything. But basically with the control he had on one leg, he just had to have like his hand around the foot at least. Uh, they might call a hand on the hip a takedown as well. But it was pretty loose on the edge there. So I don't think they're going to give him the takedown, but it would be huge if they did. And I don't know where that point came from for Brooks. Maybe they were calling stalling. I, again, I have the sound off and I can't see the ref all the time. So, but they weren't showing it on the board. That the stall calls were happening. So I don't know where that point came from. 
I didn't even know there was a first stall call on Hydly. I've been missing stall calls, man. But if I have the sound on, I'm not going to be able to think. <laughs> the sounds in my ears. So I apologize. It makes it harder for me to correctly describe what's happening in the match. So, I mean, just based on that stall call being kind of bull, in my opinion, I hope they give Hardly the takedown. Then, you know, if Brooks can escape, it's still tied as it should be. Rest are saying no takedown, neutral. 14 seconds left on the clock. So, Brooks has the lead now off that stall call. Hadley's going to have to come after him real hard. I think there's no stall calls on Brooks, I believe. Have to chase him down. There's one stall call on Brooks, but. There was no, never a first one. So they're going to give him the win off that. You hate to you hate to see someone win on a stall warning. I know he had the reversal, but it still would have been tied up. So he basically won off of a stall point, which uh, never looks good or feels very good. But yeah, it's four for four, four champs for Penn State. Um, I, I don't like to see a match decided by the refs in that way. And again, you know, you can say he had that reversal in the first period, but or in the second period, but they still would have been tied and they were still tied. I don't know. Brooks took a couple more shots than Hadley did. He was on the front foot pressuring a little bit more, but I think I disagree with that officiating. I would have liked to see them actually settle it with a takedown. And I think Brooks had the edge in that regard, so it would have been fair <laughs> to, to him for it to work that way. So not a great ending to that match. A little bit annoying. Um, people are going to be upset about that one. David Carr celebrating with Aaron Brooks. Hadley's obviously very upset. He probably thinks he had that takedown. I'm not so sure he did. But still. That match didn't really look like it uh, had a winner, objectively. We're going to come back for an all-Italian final at 197. Nino Bonacorsi versus AJ Ferrari. AJ Ferrari, the freshman sensation, only one loss in the year. Uh, he didn't get a chance to avenge it, but he's beat everybody else. He beat Miles and me and world fifth placer, world fifth placer to make the finals. Uh, Nino Bonacorsi upset the number three seed Cordell Norfleet and uh, in the quarterfinals, and he beat uh, Jake Woodley from Oklahoma, who was on a tear, looking very good in this this tournament uh, in the semifinals. So uh, good wins for Nino. I think this is Nino's junior year. He's been good so far. He made the quarterfinals in 2019 and didn't end up placing. Uh, so this is his redemption. He's a couple times state placer in Pennsylvania. Uh, very good prospect coming in. Developed very quickly. I'll, I'll get more to it when, when that matches up. So be right back, and then we'll do 197. It'll be 285 heavyweight, and then it'll be uh, 125. So three matches left. Getting in the home stretch here. This is the big one <laughs> for, for my Twitter family uh all italian final bonacorsi ferrari uh thought this might happen before miles and me and entered the bracket after miles and me and went up to 197 i was like oh never mind but it happened so here we are uh, aj ferrari is quite a character i don't have time to explain why he's a character he just is one uh look him up on instagram tiktok twitter whatever you're, you're gonna figure it out pretty quick um amazing wrestler you know made made junior worlds made junior world team i think he won bronze at one point uh Wrestles very low in his stance, uh, can shoot off his knees, uh, very solid positionally, good single, good finishing instincts, can finish singles very well. Uh, Nino, a very low attacker as well. 
stays higher in his stance, but shoots low, which is uh, rare for 197. That makes him very dangerous. Good, good cardio, good pace. Uh, I think AJ is going to be tough for him because AJ is always going to be lower than him. And that's going to be tough to get to low attacks. Uh, and AJ is going to have a lane on his legs. So we'll see how they match up physically. Uh, we'll see if Nino has a way to get to his attacks. Nino hasn't been volume shooting much uh, lately because, you know, he's keeping it a little tighter. Because uh, he's the matches he's lost, it's because he's taken sloppy shots and gotten them exploited. He's being more careful. His reattacks have been great. Uh, drop into his low shots after his opponent shoots uh, while they're trying to recover their stance. That's also how AJ scores a lot of his points. Uh, AJ is also very good on top. Nino's good on top. I think AJ is probably better at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I f- think I favor Ferrari in this matchup. I can definitely see his path to victory. Obviously, I'm rooting for Nino Bonacorsi because it's pit, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'll be I'll be excited either way because AJ Ferrari is definitely a phenom, definitely a cultural phenomenon, and uh, you know it's, it's a very big accomplishment for Nino to make this final. So, so wrestling a very interesting stance here, uh, keeping that hand very low and on the front. Uh, Assume because he wants Nino to shoot on him. He says, go ahead, shoot on me. I, I really don't know what that stance is. He's been doing it in a few matches, though, dropping right to his knees. It's possible he's going to wreck his body in a few years wrestling like this, but let's <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts. Controlling the ties, pressuring forward. AJ believes in himself fully. Well, reshot there from Nino. Oh, yeah, there's that dynamic already. And all shooting off the knees is AJ. And there's two early score for Ferrari. That's really, really big. That's a big deal. I was expecting this match to be very close and an early score like that can make a huge difference. So now Nino's got to attack, which is what he typically does. That's going to open up AJ's reattacks even more, and we'll see what he can do on top here. So just getting that motion going, getting the wrestling going early. Setting carefully. Nino trying to recover his, his base here. Ferrari looks very strong. He is very strong. He posts a lot of his lifting videos. Very proud of his uh, his conditioning and his strength. Let's see if Nino can work back to his feet here. He's on his feet. AJ tries to single off to cover. I think they should give the escape there, but I don't think they did. Gavin's complaining in the corner. Keith Gavin from Pitt thought that was an escape. But uh, I guess they considered that still having the single for Ferrari, which I don't totally agree with, but obviously I'm very biased. Yeah, so if AJ Ferrari wins, he'll be the first true freshman to win a title in Oklahoma State history, which is a very long history, uh, so that would be a huge deal. Little thigh pry there, riding the knee on the thigh. Controlling the wrist across body. Nino's up, so he can get separation here. Peel the hands off. AJ shoots to, to recover. It's a very good riding system. Still no escape. Still no escape. They're, they want stalling from the pit corner because you need to return within five seconds. Uh, but I think they consider getting to the legs and, and trying to take them down, working on the return so they don't call it there. So Ferrari's picking up, picking up right in time. And he wrestled a super tough match with Miles Amin. He's got great conditioning. Uh, I think they're cleaning up the spot on the mat. Maybe it's blood. Blood. Breaks in the action don't necessarily favor either guy here. I think they both have really good conditioning. Maybe a reset's nice for Nino, and they can talk to him a little bit in the corner. 
give them some quick advice. I guess head on straight, but tough. Like I said, tough matchup. AJ's wrestling very well, and he uh, he took initiative. It's very important. He's gonna ride the other side now. Good adjustment. So I mean, if Nino can get up within like ten seconds here, he doesn't have to ride AJ very long to take off that riding time when he gets top position. But uh, he hasn't been able to get up yet. When he gets to his feet, oh, nice turning in. Try to defend that single. There's the escape. So 107 with riding time. So if uh, Ferrari doesn't have to take in bottom, on a course, he will have, uh, have a chance to take off that riding time without a very significant ride. And Ferrari's stance is he's saying, please shoot on me. I feel like and he really wants to live on these reattacks, I guess. This is a... Uh, a little different than he usually wrestles. Usually people are getting their hands all over him and he's going down to his knees and making you wrestle on your knees with him. I think uh, Bonacorsi is hesitant to shoot because he's not really sure what he's doing. But yeah, look for, for Ferrari to shoot here. He can definitely explode really well off his knees and, and hit a double, so you don't want to walk right into him and try to recover front headlock. But yeah, there it is, yeah. <laughs> Got to be careful of that. We'll see how Bonacorsi tries to get to his shots. There's a long single leg and he's... Wow. I'm shocked he got as deep as he did. That was the way he was reaching like that. Almost got his fingers connected. They're going to run out of time here. Probably no, no next score. Another shot off the knees for Ferrari. That's why he's so dangerous. He can score on you in every every section of that, those scrambles, every level. He's got a shot. So they're going to get choice next period. If you're Nino Bonacorsi, you want to defer uh, so you can try to get Ferrari to take bottom. If you're Ferrari, you'll probably just take bottom. Definitely very confident. He can get out, but maybe he'll want to take neutral because he doesn't think Bonacorsi can take him down. It's possible. It's a close match so far. Definitely advantage in the hands of Ferrari having to take down already. Let's see what happens here. We can think of it as a 3-1 lead, but that uh, seven seconds uh, of riding time is uh, not too tough to, to take off. But we've seen get people get really quick escapes before, so and we don't know if AJ's going to take bottom. So uh, Nino's going to take bottom, it looks like. Interesting, <clears throat> but I guess uh, you'd have to get the escape in the third period anyway. You want a more accurate count of how much riding time you'll need, and you're not sure if he's going to take bottom at all. So you just want to get back to your feet, try to get your own takedown. I feel There's, that should be a caution on Ferrari. He's been starting early all tournament. Uh, they've been calling cautions on him a lot, but they didn't call up there, but they definitely should have. The coaches are complaining, but Nino's getting up here. Let's see if Ferrari drops back off to a leg. That should be no escape. He, that's kind of how he rides is he just kind of holds the leg and goes out of bounds a lot and people can complain complained about that that's not really <laughs> it's not really riding and they should definitely be calling that for stalling it's definitely a stall tactic but uh, if you're working the system and, and the refs aren't gonna do anything about it then you know, don't stop doing it obviously people were complaining about that earlier and i, I hadn't seen the matches so i wasn't exactly sure what they were talking about but now i see it because nina's doing well to get back to his feet uh decently, but you know, Ferrari is obviously very strong, very heavy in those positions. And it breaks him down there. So at this point, Bonacorsi just needs to focus on getting out within the period. 
nose is bleeding. It's John Smith in the corner, six-time World and Olympic champion. Never lost the senior level in freestyle. Some consider him the greatest American wrestler of all time. Up there with Bruce Baumgartner and Jordan Burroughs. See, uh, and Bonacorsi is you know a good athlete, but not necessarily explosive. So speed isn't necessarily his uh his strong suit. So getting up off bottom quick could be tough. It's interesting though; he's a one eighty four bumping up to one ninety seven this year. So uh, he lo- he looks like the bigger man, you know, bigger frame, obviously. But uh, Ferrari is every bit of a one ninety seven pounder, very dense, obviously super strong. You know, fighting the hands and getting up there. Ferrari's in the leg. So if he's not returning him off the single legs, they should call stalling. I think they called stalling on Ferrari. That could be good. So if Bonacorsi still escapes in this period, you have that stall call against Ferrari, so that could be something. So tying the score isn't really tying the score, so that riding time point, let's just consider that a, a permanent factor, uh, considering Bonacorsi hasn't even taken him down yet. But if he can escape, somehow force another stall call, perhaps on these rides, um, that could be something to think about could tie it up but we'll see what ferrari does to take choice on the third i assume ferrari's gonna take bottom of the third to try to get into point considering how much riding time he has uh that's that's pretty logical i think it's a safe assumption so bond of course he's gonna need to take ferrari down i think as you should to win a national title <laughs> as you should to win a wrestling match but just folk folk rules are weird uh freestyle you can win without without a takedown as well it's just uh Less common to win without scoring offensively. That riding time point really changes the game. And you don't get more riding time points for more riding time, just the minute. But if you ride out the period, obviously you stop them from getting the escape. And that could play a big factor. You know, fighting the hands, drags them back down. It just stays that heavy on that one side of the hips, keeps the grip tight. Drops off to the leg once you get to the feet. Runs you out of bounds. Yeah. Big coaches are really mad. Because <laughs> they recognize that that is a stall tactic, but the refs aren't calling it that way. I don't think they're going to start calling it now, considering they haven't called it that way the entire tournament. So I think it's wishful thinking on their part, just complaining about it. What you need to do is, yeah, get up in the center force it again. So they should be counting. The ref should be counting. Should have stalling by stalling and escape there, honestly. But take the escape. You got to try to get something done the next period. And uh, Ferrari is not tired. And I feel like uh, Bonacorsi is probably the one who's is feeling it a bit, considering the way he's getting ridden. Look very exhausting. I'm tired for him. I'm going to go on the third period. Ferrari's going to take bottom. I think if you're Bonacorsi, you just cut him. Because, you know, if you take top, best case scenario is you turn him. That's probably not happening. Uh, or you could, you know, ride him for the entire period to take away riding time. But then you're going into overtime anyway, so he's just going to release him and, and try to take him down. Just going to let him get up. So, Bon, of course, he's got to get to his offense soon. <laughs> Because if he can't ride him, he's going to need multiple takedowns. He's either going to have to start taking him down now to figure it out, or 
is going to have to do it at the very end of the period, which leaves a lot of time for Ferrari to get something done. So you got to be really careful of these reattacks. That's what being a volume shooter probably bites you here is, you know, when you're both getting up off your knees, this guy can still stay on his knees and shoot on you from other positions. So, and Nino can't reach his hips. His hips are so far back. So I, I predicted it was going to be an uphill matchup for Bonacorsi going into this. But yeah, maybe a stall warning could come into play, but that still would leave uh, that riding time point for Ferrari. So it would still be a one point advantage. And there's a shot from Ferrari and reattack to push him out. Bonacorsi, probably going to go out of bounds here. Just drag him through. There's AJ Ferrari's dad in the stands with his mask off, never wears it. People have noticed that. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, with, with Ferrari's stance, the way he wrestles, when he's standing like that, yeah, you might want to dive on something, but he's going to kick that leg back real quick. He's ready. He says, I dare you to shoot on this leg. <laughs> he's he's living, living on the reattack right now. There's his offense. You know, defend him well, but it's going to run you out of bounds. Eat clock. Yeah, so a late tape down here for Bonacorsi who has sent him into overtime if he can ride him out, but he hasn't really gotten to his legs yet, so what, what's he going to do? Ferrari's still bleeding. Very tough matchup for Bonacorsi to win. Doing pretty well for himself, but the ride really killed him. And he's just going to have to shoot stupid here, and he's probably going to give up a takedown if he uh, takes another dumb attack, I think. But, you know, what else, what else are you going to do? You can't really get past this guy's hands. Stiff hand fighter. Can't reach his hips, can't reach his legs. He's got the better reattacks. It's a tough, tough style matchup to overcome. That's the, you know, the first true freshman national title for Oklahoma State, AJ Ferrari. And if you're winning it as a true freshman and the season doesn't count for your eligibility, you could be a five-time national champion <laughs> based on that. So uh, congratulations to, uh, to the Bajrang boys, and uh, they, they have memed this into existence. <laughs> They've been riding the AJ train very hard uh, for, for a while now uh, to, to get this going, and he, he won the title, and there he is flexing. Uh, yeah, no, I figure, I figure that's kind of what that match would look like. Uh, again, having two win the finalists was awesome for the program. Uh, neither of those guys are ranked in the top two, so it's definitely an overperformance to get to that point. And uh, I'm happy for my, my friends who are very big AJ Ferrari supporters. So uh, there he is celebrating with his dad. That's very nice. Is John Smith happy about it? Yeah. to feel a little bit good about it, even if you don't like him. I know some people don't like him, but I think you got to feel pretty good about it. You know, and, and by all accounts, he, he does all the right things. He does. <laughs> He's a very, very focused person. You know, his life is basically just lifting and wrestling in, in school. Um, you know, he deserves it. Nino, not sure if he's ever going to win a title just because his style does have its limitations. Skill set does have its limitations. I don't know if freestyle is going to be a good fit for him either. So we'll see what his future is. But two finalists for Pitt, awesome way to end the tournament. I uh, hadn't had a finalist or an All-American in six years. So... <laughs> It was good. It's going to help recruiting. It's going to help a lot of things. I think it's going to improve, you know, build up the program. 
we could have broken in the top 10 of, of standings with a win, but those are two tough matchups. That's the way they played out. So it's all right. So next we're going to have heavyweight. The narrative here is that Gable Stevenson's the number one guy in the country, period. Gable Stevenson's the number one guy in the country at heavyweight because he beat Nick Wazdowski, the returning world team member and a two-time world medalist. And he beat Mason Paris, who's the guy he has in the final. He beat Mason Paris at the Big Ten finals uh, at the season that didn't have a national tournament. And he beat him in the Big Ten finals this year, and he majored him. It was a a two-point match the first time. It was a major decision this time. So Gabriel Stevenson has established his dominance. He's beaten the top guys at the weight, senior level in the country. He's won a a cadet and junior world title, I believe. Uh, He's just by far the best guy at the weight. So... Uh, a win for Mason Paris would be a big upset uh, on multiple levels. Uh, but Mason Paris is really tough. And Mason Paris also has a junior world title. And the person he beat, Amir Zaire, in, in the junior world finals, first of all, he pinned him. Uh, and then Zaire, not too long after, at the Alans tournament in Vladikavkaz in, in uh, North Ossetia, he he teched Nick Wisdowski. Zaire did. So Mason Paris... Pins Zare, Zare texts Kwiatkowski, and then uh, at the RTC Cup a few months ago, Paris goes up like eight nothing on Kwiatkowski, and then loses the match. Uh, and then they have a rematch, and Paris beats Kwiatkowski, and then Gable beats Kwiatkowski as well. So both of them have wins over the returning world team member, uh, multiple time world team member, multiple time world medalist. So those are probably the top two guys in, at the weight. At this point, unless Kwiatkowski gets it together, but it looks like he's kind of fading. He's been regressing for a little bit now, so we'll see what happens there. They're going to do the podium ceremony for 184, and we're going to get that match and see if Gable Stevenson's going to be a... And they're running to win the Hodge Trophy, or if he wins the title at all. He did not win his title as a freshman. He uh, lost to Anthony Kassar from Penn State, who went on to win the title. So we'll see what happens here. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. All right, heavyweight time. Mason Paris, Gable Stevenson. I broke it down already. Last time they wrestled a few weeks ago, Gable majored him 12 to 4. Looked beautiful. I wrote an article about one of the uh, the chain wrestling sequences that Gable pulled off. We'll see what happens. I, I would be surprised if Mason Paris won. But if you want to root for Mason Paris, something that might help you is that the Michigan team calls Mason Paris Big Chungus. So that might be some extra motivation for you. If you uh, want a reason to like him, just think he's big chungus and <laughs> he, uh, he wrestles very well for a heavyweight. These are both very atypical heavyweights. Heavyweight wrestling is a lot different than heavyweight MMA. They're actually good. Um, they're not always high activity, but they're, the skill level is high. They're not demonstrably worse than the other weights. It's wrestle a little differently because, you know, the weight makes it so you have to wrestle a little differently. You can't be flying around like crazy. You're going to get stuck on your back um, or get stuck underneath, but they, they wrestle well. In, in some ways, they wrestle more technically than, than lower weights because they have to, because they don't have to, they can't risk the same thing. So Gable Stevenson is like fundamentally perfect and very athletic. Uh, Mason Paris is a little more attribute reliant. He, he forces things a little bit more, uh, but he is capable of some wild stuff for someone his size. Uh, Stevenson's a little bit small for heavyweight. I, I reckon he's probably around 240. Uh, Paris is probably closer to the upper limit of 285. But uh, nonetheless... Paris uh, has not beaten Stevenson yet, so we'll see what happens. They're meeting in the middle. It's a big one for the Hodge race. 
who knows? Maybe AJ Ferrari will win the Hodge, but I think it's probably between Lee and Stevenson. They vote on the Hodge. It's not like statistically you can lock it up, but I think these are the two guys they're probably looking for. And Stevenson on the shot already, and Paris back straight out, and they hit him, they hit him for stalling. Um, and if you can look at how these guys are built, they are not fat. <laughs> they are built well for for heavyweights. And you can see how they're moving. They are they are athletic. This is probably the best heavyweight grouping the college has had in a very, very long time, perhaps ever. Uh, just, even just in terms of credentials, it might be the best heavyweight group ever. I'm not going to get into it because there's a lot of guys to talk about, but these two are, are probably the highest level finalists in a while. And Steveson shooting at that single already. And Paris tries to shoot on the edge and he snaps him down and hits the go by. And he's done that before. He pulls him back out of bounds while Steveson owns him then. Didn't want to get hit with that stall again, so he shot on the edge, and, and Stevenson felt it coming a mile away. Backed his hips off, snapped him down as he was coming in, snapped him on his face, and hit that go-behind super smooth. And Paris couldn't stop the go-behind. He couldn't reach out because he had to have his hands down the post so he can get snapped on his face fully. So Paris is up. Yeah, Stevenson didn't ride him too much in the Big Ten match. He just took him down over and over again. So could be seeing that again because uh, Stevenson really wants to win the Hodge. Uh, he's, he's vocalized it. He wants to get bonus here. He said he's going to pin him. So we'll see what happens. Real heavy on the head, circling a lot, gets back in bounds, pushes him straight out. So I doubt they call stalling there. Because um, it was clearly Stevenson pushing him out, not Paris backing out. A little slower start here. But he's been all over the head. I think his plan, if he wants to pin Paris, is probably to exhaust him. And uh, the way he runs his finishes on all of his shots, he, uh, he switches directions and he... Uh, goes chest chest forward and pushes people forward with his chest. So I try to roll him across his back on his takedown finishes, which he did uh, a couple times in the big time match, but didn't get backs off of it. Um, but there were situations where you could have seen him stick him. So uh, he's slowing down a little bit here. Maybe not trying to rush it too much, but if he wants to pin him, <laughs> that's probably the way he could do it. Um, yeah, Paris on the defensive. And now, like, are you going to shoot? Knowing that how easily he scored on you when you when you tried to oh there he goes again underhook pass by uh, off, off the shot Paris so at least I'm not going to hit him for stalling because he took that shot but it's very dangerous every time you do it so Stevenson could theoretically just you know rinse repeat do that over and over again keep forcing these shots and keep trying to counter and just keep walk work walking to the edge and if Paris doesn't take the shots they probably hit him for stalling and that's a point at this point so very very comfortable lead. The guard to strategy for, for Stevenson. Good snap there from Paris. Paris really likes his high crotch uh, off the collar tie, but Stevenson was really good at uh, stepping out of it, and circling and getting to his reattacks off of it. So I don't think Paris wants to rely on it too much. Paris showed off oh, a nice double on the edge, and he circles his feet, runs his feet, finishes that off. They call that out of bounds? That was in bounds. Just challenge that. Yeah, they're challenging that. That, that, that was in bounds. That, that, that was clean. Bad officiating. <laughs> he probably just saw that like, Par that Paris was completely out of bounds, but Stevenson was in. Um, yeah, beautiful deep shot there and, and just you know, turned the corner, ran his feet, and uh, put Paris on the hips and, and covered. But yeah, he, he definitely took him down there. Definitely stayed in bounds. Yeah, Paris showed off a little bit in his last match in the semis. I forget who he wrestled, but uh, I think it was Schultz from Arizona State, Greco, world team member. 
he was showing that showing the high crotch and then doing a little misdirection and fully sweeping outside to the swing single for like a low double because uh, people were kicking their feet back and ending up square and he could shoot all the way around to the angle and, and collect the angles. So very athletic maneuver. No takedown. I, I don't think so. I think that's incorrect. <laughs> Either way, Stevenson's up. Walking him down again. So yeah, Stevenson does do that step back defense from high C. So we'll see if he can draw that out, try to hit the sweep single. But Stevenson's also very good at circling after the step back. He doesn't just plant straight back. So it could end up being a situation where he puts himself on his knees and opens up a, another chain. But Stevenson's just too good. There's not really any easy avenue to beat him. You know, Kassar slowed him down a decent bit, you know, put a pace, not didn't really put a pace on him, but wore on him with his physicality and his size and uh, had a really nice double leg that he was able to power through. So a lot of athleticism was required for Kassar's win, and uh, Stevenson's gotten a lot better since then. And uh, Paris not returning, so he has to let him up. Stevenson forcing him out. Stevenson's just looking to force him out of bounds as often as possible, and I don't think he's super concerned about what the rules are about when it's a, when it's a stall and when it's not a stall. Just let the refs decide. And for Paris, you got to get going. Take down ties up. You'd have to ride out the period. So maybe you try to uh, try to get late in the period or do it after you get your escape in the next period because Paris will have choice in the third. He'll probably take bottom. He'll probably get up. So it'll be 3 2. But take down could still win it for him. But we'll see how he, uh, how he approaches this. Oh. Stevenson dropped to the ankle there off uh, Paris' shot. Disengage, get back to the center. About a minute left in the second period. Stevenson just kind of hanging on him. Yeah, I think his uh, his dreams of bonus points are probably not coming true. <laughs> Paris is playing, playing it pretty tough, trying to make it a one-takedown match for himself. He is, he is built ridiculously. <laughs> he, he is a stud. He was a good football player in high school as well. He's been built like this since high school pretty much, but a, a little puffy at that point. He is he is all all solid now, and there's that reattack attempt from Stevenson, and uh, Paris pushes him out, but pretty obvious. They're both working for, uh, for action there on the edge. So no stall. Reaching the end of this period. Stevenson finishes fast, so it's not – Impossible. They both finish fast. Not impossible to rule out a takedown with 20 seconds left, but I think they're both okay with leaving it up to the third period and making it a one takedown match. Both confident they can get that done. And for Paris, this is, you know, obviously you don't want it to get taken down, but you put yourself in a position to win here. So pretty well, well handled considering how their past two matches have been. Uh, multiple takedowns in, in both the first two matches. I think it was 8-6 first time, 12-4 second time. Oh, big lift and return from Stevenson. So powerful. Let's him up. <laughs> so it's 3-2 at this point. Oh, nice low double. I don't think uh, Paris saw that coming. Caught him by surprise there. That changes things entirely. Uh, when it was 3-2, Paris could have, you know, time to take down late in the match and try to ride out for the win or send it to overtime with an escape from Stevenson. But now things are very different. So if he escapes, he's going to have to uh, – he can only tie it with the takedown, even if he rides out. 
And who's to say that Stevenson won't take him down against there's an outside shot and Stevenson heavy on the head again. Shoots him straight through. Oh, they called stalling on that? I don't think so. That wasn't that different than other situations. Stevenson shot him out of bounds, but they're going to give him the point. I think that's weird officiating. It's not It's not different than other situations you didn't call stalling. And the rule isn't if you do it a bunch of times, eventually it's like, okay, come on, you're stalling. Now it's every individual time you need to assess whether or not it was stalling. And I don't think it was that time. <laughs> so bad call, but I think Stevenson was going to win anyway. So Ref's probably just feeling pressure on himself that he shot him out of bounds so many times. And he hadn't called stalling on it yet since the beginning. So it could just be a accumulation thing, which is what Stevenson was looking for. He said, if I just keep doing it, eventually they'll call it. Nice re-attack there. But doesn't get it. Almost got the go behind there. Shot him out of bounds again. And you don't call it there. That was the same thing that happened the time that you called it. So inconsistent. Inconsistent officiating. I don't want to sound like I wasn't rooting for Stevenson. Totally was. <laughs> Although I like Big Chungus. Very good. And Stevenson doesn't want to do wrestling that much longer. He'll try to make the Olympic team. I think he'll make it. We'll see what happens at the Olympics. But after that, he might do pro wrestling. That's one option. Uh, MMA hasn't been an expressed option. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Got to the snatch single off the off the front of headlock there and then the doubled off at the finish. That was beautiful. That was very nice. He's so good, man. I got I got no criticisms of Gable Stevenson's game. He's perfect. Um, but yeah, MMA hasn't been expressed as an interest, but it could be a possibility. But pro wrestling is a, is the goal, I think. So let's say theoretically, Gable does something. If the Olympics wins it, doesn't win it, moves on. Mason Paris could totally make the world team the next year, and uh, be a world medalist, be a world champion. So. There's a round off backflip. Yep. <laughs> do you see the height on that? So that's a guy that wants to do pro wrestling. That's uh, <laughs> that there's the talent scouts are probably giving him good looks already. Um, he's got the personality for it too. He's very charismatic, has a lot of swagger and uh, he's too good. He's too good. But yeah. Mason Paris could totally win world and Olympic titles in the future. He's that good, but Gable Stevenson's besides being kind of small for the weight, I, he has no flaws <laughs> as a wrestler. He's very, very good, uh, which is not something you say about heavyweights very often. He's, he's a special guy. It's Washington Flex. Minnesota had a good tournament, too. You can see now they're uh, in the top eight. Arizona State had a great tournament as well. They weren't expected to play top five, actually. Very nice. So next match is going to be Iowa versus Arizona State. Uh, the top three is locked. Basically, all the positions are locked, but <laughs> it's still a big match. Brandon Courtney from Arizona State. I think he's a sophomore or junior at this point. Uh, pretty pretty big recruit uh, versus Spencer Lee, two-time national champion going for his third. Uh, three-time Pennsylvania State champion, uh, cadet world champion, junior world champion, uh, Senior Nationals champion for freestyle. Uh, lots of accolades. Spencer Lee is very, very good. He's taken losses in college. Spencer Lee has lost in college before. Uh, he lost to, I want to say, Ronnie Bresser, if I'm thinking of the right person. 
Um, so he lost early, and then he lost to uh, Nick Piccinini from Oklahoma State at the Oklahoma State duel, uh, and he lost to Sebastian Rivera. These were all regular season losses. He has no postseason losses, uh, and he, he hasn't looked perfect every postseason either, but he just guts out these matches. But basically, he comes out super hard, gets to his single, gets a dump finish off that, and just starts, you know, barring people up and tilting people up and scoring a ton of points on top and putting people away early. Lots of texts, lots of pins. Uh, but when he doesn't put people away early, sometimes he'll slow down and uh, people can start attacking him and try to put him in bad positions. That's how Pitch and did it. He pinned him once. Uh, that's how Rivera did it. Just came after him, just kept him working. It's not necessarily that Spencer has gas tank issues. He just goes so explosively and so hard early that it's hard to manage your energy that way. So that's kind of kind of how it works, uh, beating him. And also, he's had this pretty bad knee injury since high school. So the reason he didn't win four Pennsylvania State titles is get this Austin DeSanto from Iowa, uh, also a Pennsylvania kid. So junior year finals, Spencer Lee texts Austin DeSanto in the finals. Senior year finals, Austin DeSanto beats Spencer Lee with like a buzzer beater takedown uh, in the finals. So that's a huge difference, right? But he had this giant knee brace on him, clearly had a very bad knee injury after Worlds. Um, also like a crazy weight cut after Worlds. Uh, just had, had a rough Worlds overall, even though he won it. Um, so he took that loss and he's had issues with that knee ever since. And people shoot on that knee. He has a hard time being mobile with it, like flexing out of it, like stepping back with it. It's not as fast as his other leg. So you shoot to that knee and you can get him in these scramble situations. He's good there, but you're just attacking his weaknesses. He, he's a very interesting wrestler. Like his flaws are bigger than you might expect for someone that's that dominant, but like you can game it. You can game it. You can, you can force it out of him. Also, those pit warm-ups are really nice. I want that jacket. <laughs> as a cool jacket. Um just need up on a Corsi on the podium. I'm just going to keep it rolling into the Spencer Lee match because we're almost done here. It's a long, long podcast, a long video. Um, if you listen to this entire thing as a podcast and didn't watch the video with it, you're kind of a serial killer. <laughs> I don't know how you listen to me commentate wrestling for two hours and not watch the wrestling. Maybe you just want to hear my thoughts on it. Maybe it's just background noise. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. It's the one person who's doing that if that's happening. But otherwise, you're watching the video with me either on Patreon or following along on YouTube or on ESPN. There's AJ Ferrari on the podium. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be done. It's been a long, it's been a long night and a long three days of watching wrestling. And you know, I'm a little, I'm a little down about Pitt not winning either of their finals, but I'm still very up about Pitt putting two in the final because they were not supposed to. So it's still, still a win. Still a win for sure. That was a tough weight, man. 197 is usually kind of bad. If you think about like MMA, like 185 and 205, not super tough, right? But college wrestling this year, it was very good. A few years ago, it was very tough as well. They've had good years, but past like four years or so, it's been not such a great weight. So, uh, yeah, it's a great improvement. And uh, most of those guys are returning next year, so it's going to be very interesting. I'm very excited for next year's tournament. I'd like to go in person. Uh, I've never been to one in person. I've been to the Fan Fest when it was in Pittsburgh because I was selling a book that I wrote. I never got to go in the arena. <laughs> so next year, I'd really like to, to go in person. It's in Detroit, uh, so Michigan's going to show out <clears throat> for sure. 
how they're going to go all in to win a title in their, their home state. And uh, Penn State's going to be loaded up for a title. Iowa's still going to be loaded up for a title. Oklahoma State's still going to be – all these guys are still going to be factors. Pitt's going to have everyone coming back. Um, could be good. Could be good. Looking forward to it. Let's get Spencer Lee out here and Brandon Courtney. Courtney watches NCAA matches. He's very good on the reattack. Very clean leg attacks. Very sharp. Very fast. Um, if I'm correct that Ronnie Bresser beat Spencer Lee, Ronnie Bresser was also from Arizona State. No, he's from Oregon State. What am I talking about? Pac-12, same thing. <laughs> but similar style. Uh, a little more dynamic. A little more flashy. Uh, to, you know, jumps over people's shots. Uh, Courtney's a little more reserved with his style, but. Very, very solid. He was number three seed. He made the finals, so obviously everything went to plan. And, uh, he beat somebody tough to get there. A couple tough guys to get there, I think. It all feels like such a long time ago at this point. <laughs> it's been a long tournament. So here we go. Spencer Lee versus Brandon Courtney. Lee can have two more years of eligibility after this, so he could win four titles. He's never lost an NCAA tournament that he's competed in, so we'll see if uh, it goes for four. But his aspirations are more so focused on freestyle. He wants to win an Olympic title. I think even if he loses this match, he's still the, the outside perspective favorite to make the team. And we haven't seen him against these senior-level guys internationally uh, at 57 kilograms, so I'm not really sure how it's going to shake out. Uh, Ugoyev from, from Russia. He's a Dagestani. He's a, the two-time returning world champion. His last loss was like three years ago. Um, hasn't really come that close to losing since then. So I'm not really sure how Spencer matches up with him or any of these other, any of these other tough guys, but guys like Nick Seriano and Thomas Gilman and Dayton Fix give a lot of top five guys in the world tough matches. And Spencer Lee tends to demolish people domestically. So he might be a level above or just his style lends to blowing people out because in freestyle, you can put someone away so much faster than in folk style. Like in freestyle, if you get a turn on top, like let's say you get an arm bar and you, you turn someone with an arm bar and you get a four count and you get four points off the arm bar. You can't reset and hold the arm bar and do it again and get four more points. It has to be a new move. So you have to let go, either get the same thing or get something else and do it again. In freestyle, if you get like a lace, you can keep rolling it through for two, 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 and tech him. <clears throat> that tends to be how Spencer rolls. He also has a good gut wrench. Very good on top. Definitely his main strength. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come out super hot here and try to put up a lot of points early. That is how he wrestles. Uh, so if he goes up 6-0 in the first period or, or higher, do not be surprised by that. Um, that does not mean he's guaranteed to win the match because, like I said, he fades sometimes and people know what to attack. They know his weaknesses. He's been scouted to death. So, see what happens here. But Spencer's looking to get on the leg very early, and Courtney backing up already. It's smart of Courtney to shoot early, honestly, try to get Lee off of him. <laughs> Lee's just trying to get a hang, hang on him. There's that underhook. He can pass that by and get that, that high C on the right side. And Courtney tries to fireman carry on the edge. Good counter. So, Lee can't just press forward aggressively and, and recklessly. That's off the whistle before they, before they blew it. They can't be reckless because, you know, Courtney does have his own attacks and I don't want to give up a lead necessarily, but this is his style. He wants to, he wants to score early and often. 
he's pressing forward really hard. But Courtney's doing a good job off the back foot, snapping him down, keep switching his feet, keeping his legs back. Very immobile. It's a good style. It's a good style to wrestle, wrestle Spencer Lee with. He uh, wrestles all these big 10 guys who you know, all like to get in the collar ties and have a slow match. And he's just like, okay, you're here for a shot. I'm going to finish it for sure. And I'm going to be on top of you. And I'm going to put you away. Courtney, uh, a much more mobile evasive style, which is a lot better <laughs> to wrestle Spencer Lee with. Last time he was in the finals, Spencer Lee had uh, Jack Mueller from UVA, whose specialty is top wrestling. So he didn't really have the best style to deal with Spencer Lee. Um, in the year before that, he had, was it Seriano? Might have been Seriano. Who also likes to tie up and have a have a slower match? Good shots by Courtney, man. He he's doing a really good job here, just trying to attack off the of Spencer's ties, keep it fluid. Spencer trying to pass that underhook by to get the leg. Courtney trying to pass those arms off and get a double or something straight on. He's doing a great job so far. If you can get into the second period, even with only one takedown. Oh, that is that is awesome. He's, he's attacking off and he's being very aggressive. I, I like it for him. And what works for Courtney so well is he doesn't really need ties to get to his shots. He can shoot from the outside. So he doesn't necessarily have to get where Spencer wants to be to get to his own attacks. So he can kind of evade and, and be defensive. And playing on the edge here, if Spencer does get to his ties, does get to a leg, he can uh, just you know get out of bounds. Doesn't have to worry about it too much. Of course, they might call that for stalling, but they've been very inconsistent with what they call stalling on the edge, so let's see if you can pull him in here. Oh. Why'd they call that out? His, his toe is still in bounds. I guess because Courtney was on the outer boundary outside of the map. That's why I said they need to extend the map. Why have the outer boundary roll with the toe in if you don't have it long enough for the full space to be utilized? Sloppy. <laughs> Sloppy stuff. Little sweep single attempt from Spencer. Seems like he's got a little angle on that. He's got the elbow. That's that dump is when you pull someone to one angle with, with the, uh, the leg attack and pull out their base on the other side while you're turning them toward that side and they fall over their own shoulder. And then he tends to finish his singles, but Courtney's on the leg now. Let's go the wizard. So this is fine unless it's a fact that Spencer Lee is going to slow down. Courtney could also slow down. I mean, he's wrestling very hard. Um, you also have to consider Courtney is not going to take bottom when he has choice, uh, but Spencer Lee could take top. That's a possibility. If you can't take him down here, could take top if he gets choice. It's on the leg there. Trying to get his reattacks. So I don't think it would be fair to hit Courtney for stalling. But you never know how they're gonna how they're gonna play this. Because Courtney's taking shots, but Spencer is the one who's trying to force tie-ups. Courtney's trying to force not being in tie-ups. So I don't know how they're gonna read that. It's hard to get in an official's head. In international styles, it's considered like fleeing the hold to constantly trying to like throw off ties and back up. And they, they would call that for sure, but it's a little different, folk. Lee's going to take bottom for choice. But it's not a bad idea. You get your point. And Lee doesn't really have the style to try to fish for a reversal. I think he'll just get up. Yeah. Makes sense. Capture that wrist. Try to pull that across. Try to get two on one. 
Yeah, but Courtney's been, getting, been really good at posting on the head and ripping those ties off. Backing up a lot, though, and there's Gendra on the leg. There's stalling on Courtney for the first time. Can't imagine it'll be the last time. But again, if you're Courtney and you're expecting Lee to, to slow down and give up a takedown at some point, which he's done in other matches in this tournament, then this is really, really good for you. It's already good for you that he hasn't scored on you. <laughs> oh, there's that reattack. Spencer was on his hip for a second. You're covered with the underhook. It's a close call. Lee's really trying to force these leg attacks. Courtney's doing a great job. Yeah, and Iowa has not won one of these title matches yet to this year. Ironman lost and Kemmerer lost, and both were in sudden victory. So I wonder if Courtney's just trying to drag this match out as long as he can, but he's not going to get an escape point. He's going to need to take down because he's not going to take bottom. If he does take bottom, then I think that would be a disaster. Let's see what happens here. Don't think they'll call this situation stalling because Courtney did try to attack and Spencer is the one that pushed him out. But they should be calling stalling on the constant backing up and then pulling the ties off. But Courtney's standing his ground a little bit more now. Getting a little more comfortable as the match goes on because it's tiring to chase someone like that. A single attempt there and Spencer has to hit the go behind. He's got that arm and he's behind the arm. He's on the hips. So they're going to call that two. Luckily for Courtney, there's only 20 seconds left in the period. So Lee doesn't have time to you know, put up a big score on him. And it's a little later on where he's a little less vicious on top. But, you know, with Spencer Lee, you never know. He could score on top in 20 seconds. Um, so another another big test for him. Call caution on that one early before they blew the whistle. You can't put weight down before they blow the whistle. You set with your hand under the waist and on the elbow. You just hold it. You don't actually put any pressure on. I think he did a little. One of them went early this time again. Not sure on who. And again, I think you can eat like four cautions before it's a point. So might as well try to cheat it. <laughs> Got the head and the shoulder there, breaking him down. Sitting on that, uh, that far thigh. I think he's just going to ride out the period, not going to look for a turn like that. But he's breaking him down, setting up his arm bar. He's trying to pull that, that wrist across body. He's got that bar locked in. He's got the bar. He's got the grip across the waist. He could get a turn here. Oh, look at that. And I don't think he's going to get swipes, though. No swipes. That was close. <laughs> nah, that was close. You need two count of your opponent on their back to get two points. One count is nothing. So all things considered, still a really good place for Courtney. Uh, the whole point with Spencer Lee matches is that he's supposed to tire out later on, and you should be able to score multiple takedowns on him. People have done it before. So, But Courtney needs to start attacking a lot, and he's attack. The injured leg, but not wearing the big brace, is actually kind of helpful <laughs> for Spencer because it's harder to identify uh, which leg, and that was a nice uh, misdirection attack from Courtney, but it's a little out of range and Spencer's on his leg now trying to pull that on the edge and he's going to get the butt there, but he's going to finish that. And now there's over a minute left and the match already up six, not looking good for Brandon Courtney. Spencer Lee is going to look for bonus points here. Probably he's already putting the head and that shoulder inside. Yeah. You can chop away at the elbow to take out the post, but if you just hold the wrist 
drive your head into the shoulder, you can't resist that motion. You're going to drive it to the mat and uh, you can set up your bar based on that. You can uh, like replace your knee, replace your head with your knee, put that bar across. We'll see how he does it here. Putting the head in the shoulder, kind of drive, drive forward, breaking down off that. And keep doing that. <laughs> got that wrist control. So now he's got the, the arm bent, you see. He's going to pull it under, try to put it across Courtney's back, and then loop that. Yep, there it is, the bar across the back. Now he's got that, and he's going to get tight waist on the other side. He's going to be able to pull him with the tight waist, and he's going to have no post to stop himself from going over because of that arm bar, but it's very loose still. They're loose across the back. He's going to try to collect that wrist and pull that across the body. So have the cross wrist and the bar, and that's usually how he sets up his tilt, or he might just run the bar straight across and try to put him on his back, but the tilt's more of a, uh, a getting back points move, less of a pinning move, but he's pinned people in tilts before. Shows how much control he usually has in those positions. I think they call it potentially dangerous there just because when you're working that bar, you're really pulling it up like a like a Kimura type situation, seeing kind of pressure on your shoulder. So they don't want anyone to get injured, obviously. So there's rules about the angle of the shoulder and such. A uh, big explosion up to his feet from Courtney, but Spencer locking his hands right away and able to return him. Let's get that pressure on. And uh, Lee's going to win this 7-0, I believe. No bonus points, but shutout victory. Third national title for Spencer Lee. Very dominant showing. I, I thought Courtney wrestled a good match, but it was harder for him to score than he thought it would be, I think. And uh, Lee didn't fade. He did not fade. So it is what it is. I'm not sure when they announced the Hodge winner, but it's going to be Gable Steveson or Spencer Lee. Uh, I think their bonus points were pretty comparable throughout the tournament. So that's just going to depend on dominance. I believe it should go to Gable Stevenson because, uh, you know, Brandon Courtney's good, but the heavyweight field was actually more stacked than the field at 125, as hard as that is to believe. And coming from me, <laughs> this should be very hard to believe. But I think heavyweight was actually the more competitive field this year and actually tougher to, to get through uh, and to dominate considering everything. So I, I think it should be Gable Stevenson wins the Hodge. And Spencer Lee has already won the Hodge. So Kind of mean, <laughs> not to give it to a different guy. Uh, there have only been a couple multiple time Hodge winners, like Kale Sanderson, Ben Askren. Um, I think uh, Jason Nolfer, Zane Rutherford, one of those guys. I think it was Rutherford. Yeah, Spencer Lee is the three time champion. He could get another one. He could easily get another one. He's got another year, but I don't know if he's going to go for another year just because uh, he wants to focus on freestyle, but we'll see. We'll see if he comes back. Iowa. Still in the team hunt next year. So, in my opinion, they're back to back team champs because the, the tournament that didn't happen last year, they were set to, to win it. I think they would have won it. So, uh, let's call that two titles, two team titles for Iowa. But these were great finals. I'm, uh, I'm sad about Pitt for sure, but a lot of good matches, a lot of interesting takeaways. If you're you know new to wrestling, if you're old to wrestling, I think this it was an interesting night of wrestling. It's a great tournament. You can't put all your stock just in the finals. There were so many good matches to, to watch, and I'm definitely going to be going back through and checking out some things, getting second looks at things that happened. But hundreds of matches happened. Hundreds. So you're not going to be able to catch it all. It was all high-quality stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's it. So if, if you listen to this whole thing somehow, please subscribe to the Fight site on Patreon. If you're willing to listen to two hours of me talking, oh, my God. Um, 
you should definitely be willing to subscribe on Patreon for at least three dollars. Uh, at most, you know, yeah, at least three dollars. That's that's the minimum. It's easy, right? You can do that. Uh, tons of benefits. Access to our Discord server with five dollars uh, and ten dollars and above or content request here. So like, maybe you want me to watch a bunch of Spencer Lee matches and break things down more. Twenty dollars is is for film review. I could watch like three, four, five Spencer Lee matches and do that for you. Um, if you want an article, different tier for that. If you want a video breakdown, different tier for that. It's, there's there's a lot of options. Check it out. Look at all our content behind the paywall. We got a lot on there. I'm going to do many more wrestling commentaries. Probably going to shift forward to freestyle. Not if it's freestyle season officially, but that was a lot. It's a big tournament. Three days of wrestling. I'm tired. I'm going to call it. Good night.